0: Hello, my name is Kevin Shields and welcome to the Cracked Real Podcast, episode 14. It's been about a month, maybe, since I actually recorded an episode, because that a week that... I basically started a new job, so... The night before I was due to start, I recorded an episode, which has now gone up as the Invisible episode, um, where I talked about the Invisible Man and the Hunt and a few others. But that night, the, the night before I actually started, I just... I kind of cobbled the episode together i didn't feel like i was all that happy with it so i said ah fuck it i don't know if i'll bother releasing that i might do one during the week never got around to doing one um and then i had to listen back to it and i thought it's actually not that bad put together so i just i released it the way it was so that was a two week late one and i intended last week to do an episode during the week but i unfortunately didn't get to it because now i'm going to be doing a lot of editing on this episode because i have a chest infection it seems not COVID or coronavirus or anything, don't worry. Uh, well, at least I fucking hope it isn't. But so far, it just seems like a chest infection. So I hadn't didn't have a chance to really record one. And this episode, I had the feeling I'm going to cough a lot through it because I'm going to be talking non-stop. And I will obviously edit all them coughs out because they won't be pleasant on the year. Um, But with that came the chance to see lots of fucking movies. So I have loads to talk about. And I'm going to... I suppose, I, I see, I... I'm, I've always considered myself rather self-critical in terms of all the stuff I do, whether it be stuff I've written or episodes of this I record where I listen back and I go, ah, I shouldn't have fucking gone that much about this or ah, I've spent too long describing this or whatever. So I'm going to just see the thing I wanted to always avoid with this podcast was structure in the sense that I don't want every episode to feel like that there's a beginning, middle and end and that I'm just kind of going into it. With these parameters set up. I kind of want it to be as free flowing as possible. But I do. There is a bit of a structure in the sense that. I kind of just talk about what I want to talk about. And then I talk about the films I review. That's kind of the most structure I have. But I felt the way I'd review films. I kind of again get too technical. This is the problem I've always run into when I'm doing reviews. Especially when I'm writing them. Where I get into a nice buzz of it. And I'm enjoying it. And I start writing loads. But then I start getting really technical. And I'm almost subconsciously trying to write like fucking reviewers i've read and that's not what i want to do i don't want to be like anyone else i mean i'm not exactly fucking unique but just that i don't want to i don't want to just look like i'm copying a similar format or style to other people i just want to be able to just fucking do it the way it sounds which will mean that some descriptions of movies will just sound like some dickhead in a pub describing it that you're overhearing rather than me going into detail going this character does this and whatever else that's kind of what i'm trying to avoid unless it's a new release where i'll put a bit more I suppose effort into talking about them but otherwise i just want to shit talk but uh i do have a lot of shit i want to talk about see i kind of mentioned in that invisible episode that was at the very start of all the cinemas closing down by now everywhere is shut the whole fucking world is shut down nearly uh particularly over here in ireland we have a, a, a lockdown that has now been extended so all cinemas are shut basically everything is shut except essential places uh, like grocery shop not grocery shop why am i americanizing what i'm saying fucking supermarkets i've I've discovered that this happens when you talk to them because i'm in a lot of groups of american people and english people and stuff like that and i start adapting the words that they would use because we could be talking about something and i want to just keep on uh what'd be the word i suppose i just want to make sure that what i'm saying is being understood so then i was like oh what's that and even if it's something obvious um but it's yeah it's it i find myself americanizing words when i don't want to but it, all supermarkets are, are open and doctors and shit like that all that's still going but when i first talked about it it was a couple of cinemas closed and other cinemas unsure they're all shut now um so it's a bit it's a bit weird i mean all the fucking big movies are now getting released online i think i mentioned wonder woman last time uh that's going to go online or at least they're planning to so much fucking stuff has been postponed all the big shit that's supposed to come out now has all been postponed some stuff that is due to come out they haven't mentioned about postponing but i mean i, I don't know how the fuck they're gonna release it i suppose they might not be huge movies but a lot of stuff's gonna go online um because it's, it's pretty much the safe well safe is definitely not the word because i mean party's obviously gonna go fucking have a field day with this shit but it's safest in terms of actually getting your movie out there, but in terms of getting it sold, it's a very difficult thing to do. So I think a lot of people are going to be looking to go to streaming services because most people have streaming services. I think, i say stuff that goes on Netflix, series on Netflix, movies on Netflix or even Prime are very rarely torrented because everyone has these kind of things. They can just jump into it whenever they want. Whereas if they just release it on Amazon VOD, I mean, while the appeal is there, it's still... Not everyone uses it. Not everyone has it. So people are more likely to steal it that way. So I'd say a lot of big movies are going to be like, okay, we want to sell our movie to Netflix. Like Uncle James, for instance. Where in America, I think it was it's its its own thing. But outside there, it's on Netflix all over the world. So I'd say a lot more companies are going to try to do that. To save money and to, to not get fucked over, basically. But an interesting thing that's happening now, which is just... I don't know how the fuck this is going to work without... Basically destroying the the chance for all these movies. But obviously the film festivals are all done this year. Or at least for most of the year. Um, Some later in the year might still go ahead. But big ones. I think like Fright Fest. And Cannes Film Festival obviously are gone. I think Sundance is gone as well. Um, But South by Southwest have decided that they're going to do an online film festival. Through Amazon Prime. I think it's only accessible in America. But again if you have a VPN you're sorted. They are planning to... For I think five, ten days Something like that They're going to have online screenings Of movies from directors all over the world And whatever else um, I imagine there will be a couple of big ones Maybe stuff that's owned by Amazon Studios In the same way like Suspiria was Or something like that Where it got a worldwide cinema release But it was owned by them so it's kind of safe I reckon stuff like that Will probably show big movies like that But the rest of it is going to be Very independent stuff um, mostly people trying to get their name out there i don't think any or at least most established directors won't go for this because they're essentially giving their movie up to piracy immediately uh, especially if they they weren't planning to release the movie until maybe next year or the end of the year full disclosure that was a probably a full minute and a half of editing done there just to, to get rid of the amount of costs i just fucking did um but yeah this uh, i think it's going to be an odd time for filmmakers I don't think a lot of people are going to jump at this opportunity while it's a good idea in theory the idea like if there was no such thing as torrenting the idea of an online film festival would be hugely appealing to a lot of people um, but I mean I suppose the festival atmosphere is a big part of it too I mean particularly if any film festival the particularly Harathon that's going to be one where you're among a very niche crowd of people who all love the same thing and you're all kind of getting to meet each other and talk about these things and it's a piss up as well, you get to have fun. I mean, an online film festival is essentially just you binge-watching movies alone in your fucking gaff. And it's not like you can invite mates over to watch them, you're fucking, we're all self-isolating or whatever else. So, I mean, there is a good idea to it, but I, I don't know how it's going to work. I think it's going to have a big effect. It's going to be the start of the huge change in movies, though. There's a lot of cinemas in this country that I think aren't going to reopen or they'll reopen and fail or I mean it's going to be a very fucking tough time for movies now. I think the only thing that's going to be in the cinema which I mentioned I think last week is the big, big movies. The likes of Tenet. The likes of Black Widow which I think has been postponed as well. And a surprising Wonder Woman is potentially going to go online because you think they'd postpone it with, I mean, DC need them as much money as they can fucking get. Um. But the big movies like that, that everyone's looking to see, I reckon are going to be in the cinema. Because, I mean, I don't want to see Denis Love's Dune at home. I will eventually when I fucking buy the thing. But that is a movie I want to see in a fucking 360 degree cinema while I'm getting shot at. That's how fucking much I want to be in that movie rather than just sitting and watching at home. So there will need to be cinemas for that stuff. And I think there will be. I think the idea of the cinema being kind of an event might come back, while the quality is gonna be very, very fucking different. Because I mean, the event back in the day was you'd see epics, big epics, which I'm gonna talk about later because I watched one of them during the week. But shit like Lawrence of Arabia or 2001: A Space Odyssey, big, huge, epic, long, just everything about them oozes what is so fucking good about cinema movies in a huge, big, 70 mil projection. That was a real event. I mean, the events now would be more eventful because cinemas aren't really around, but you'd just be going and seeing Fast and Furious 9 or whatever fucking number they're on now. So, I don't know. It's it's a, a ropey place <laughs> where, where we are now with cinema. I would like to think that it's going to go in a more positive direction, but I really don't know. I think online is going to reign supreme. And if ever there was an argument for online, this is it. That it is so easily accessible, that it is so worldwide immediately like for instance the invisible man and the hunt just as soon as they, well, i don't know what time it hit because i got them the next day but it's like as soon as they're available everywhere in the world can access them and there you have it you have your movie so i don't know i guess i'm just hoping i'm just hoping that cinemas are, are allowed to go back to normal eventually but um i do have a bunch of shit i want to talk about because I, for the last week I just had different shit pop into my head and I'm going to write it all down. Um, One is actually an idea I've had um, purely because I had a lovely nostalgia trip there during the week where I think it was do 1 o'clock or something but Comedy Central was on. That's usually just the channel that's on the background because <clears throat> I was even thinking about this. If you look at most digital boxes or whatever, I can't remember what they're fucking called anymore. I haven't really thought about them. the likes of virgin media the likes of sky and things like that i mean for anyone who isn't streaming a lot of stuff or isn't buying a lot of physical media or whatever else those things are probably hugely appealing get to catch a movie on tv record it whatever else i mean that was the way it was but now it's kind of like eh, if i see something that's interesting on tv i'll mark it on indb and search for it elsewhere but i think It's nice to to have a lot of channels, but a lot of the time they're channels that you don't give a fuck about. I think of the hundreds and hundreds of channels I have in Virgin Media, I probably cycle through the same five. And most of them are fucking plus ones. Just because any time I'm actually watching TV that isn't something I've set out to watch on Netflix or set out to watch on on a disc is likely just background noise. Something like Friends. I mean, I know Friends inside out. I've watched it since I was a kid, but I'll just always have it on the background because it's just kind of it's comfort TV. Um, so Comedy Central is the channels that's always on even though so much about that channel pisses me off I might have talked about this before some of the subjects I have to try to remind myself of but the way they license out movies that they're going to show is just fucking bizarre they show movies that might be humorous somewhat but they advertise them like they're flat out comedy, something like The Karate Kid which to me isn't a comedy but they've Made an ad where they made a silly song out of some of the I suppose, famous lines in the movie. And turned it into some sort of dance song. And it's just to try and make it look like it's really funny. And it embarrasses the fuck out of me. It's just, They're such a desperate fucking channel. They're a comedy channel. And now and then they show the likes of fucking old school. Usually cut to shreds. And they show the likes of Step Brothers. Also the, the theatrical version which isn't as good. They show all these movies and really accessible kind of comedy like adam sandler shite that comes out nowadays they show a lot of that stuff but the just the wealth of fucking comedy movies that are in the world there you think they'd be fighting tooth and nail to get to show them but they don't they just recycle the same shit they always show they might get lucky and go right we're going to give you a snatch for a couple of months you can show that a few nights a week they're going to fucking show that and fair enough it's a brilliant movie but all the other times like oh we have epic movie who the fuck wants to watch that shite? You're a comedy channel. Put some actual fucking comedy on. And I know comedy's subjective. But you know what's good comedy and what's shite. You know what the, the standard and quality of comedy is. Even their stand-ups. They just have all these fucking. Woeful fucking stand-ups on. These hour-long specials of people I've never fucking heard of. Who aren't that funny. And there's, there seems to be a new TV show out every week. In some fucking London cellar. To show you all these new up-and-coming comedians. And most of them just tell the exact same fucking jokes it's just there's no one really standing out but i'm getting at another i'm getting out to fucking comedy here which i'll talk about on um possibly on another podcast um other than my own but might have some people involved in comedy on to talk about stuff we'll uh, we'll see what comes up in the future because as well that's another thing with guests guests are going to be a cunt to do now because i'm going to probably have to do them through the likes of google hangouts or skype and one thing i'm always concerned about is first of all the internet dropping out the episode going to shit and bad audio quality at least if there's the person in front of me we can do something so if i could maybe get a fucking six foot seven foot fucking long table and then have them at the other end of it we can record that way uh that'd be ideal because i'd rather be able to actually play off the person i'm talking to because especially if I've, I've done online stuff everyone's talking at once and then you're kind of waiting for the other person and you're not sure who's going to kick in there could be delays i don't have the patience i don't have any patience at all as is so it wouldn't be a good idea for me but I digress. I was on Comedy Central. And about 1 o'clock at night. Or in the morning. Whatever were you fucking say. I saw Jackass was on. I was like. Oh man. I fucking, This is pure comfort fucking TV for me. I haven't watched it in so long. It came on. And. Still hilarious. Absolutely loved the show. But I was just looking at it going. I mean. Obviously at the time. This is 20 years ago. The year 2000. That show aired. And. That was at a time where swearing on TV was still a big fucking no way you can't do it. Unless you're HBO or unless you're, I don't even know what, Channel 4, I suppose, over here. Um, but it's a show that is so heavily, heavily censored when you look back at it. Like, uh, there's one where it's Bam is doing a, however you say his fucking name, is doing a prank on his dad. His dad gives the camera the finger, but they actually blurred his finger out. And I'm looking at it going, this is fucking... Like, this is what you do for a G-rated fucking movie. Like, it, it just seems bizarre to me that this is still heavily censored. But then I had an idea. Now, obviously you have the new Jackass movie that's coming out next year in 2021. Which, I don't know when they're going to record all that shit. I don't know if they're going to be shooting it now or they're going to shoot it next year and release it. I'm not sure. I'm very happy about it. I wanted to work because, I mean, like they're, again, childhood heroes of a sort. Because I used to grow up watching them. I grew up watching them all the fucking time. Um, and it will be weird without Ryan Dunn, who was one of the fucking funniest people on there, who I don't think got a lot of credit until he died, to be honest, because I think before then he was hilarious, but it was only after people were kind of like, oh, yeah, he was deadly. He was always great. Um, But what they should do is, because this year's the 20th anniversary of this show. Now, that's uh, the other hard thing as well, because when you have something coming up they might not want to release this kind of thing until the other thing is out but I think it would be a good idea to release it now and that is a 20th anniversary fucking ultra bumper box set with everything jackass related I'm talking about the entire series, every episode including the lost tapes including all the deleted footage and behind the scenes stuff and whatever the fuck else, all the behind the scenes extras interviews with them all like a 20th anniversary. Look back. Commentaries. All this footage. That they never released. Because MTV said. Not a fucking hope. Now they can release. Have all of that stuff. Because I actually. remember seeing this great stunt. Where. I don't know where it aired. I don't think it was even on the discs. I just found it online before. And it was Jackass. Where. It was Ryan Dunn. They had him wrapped up. In a lot of plastic sheets. And carpets and shit. And he had a lot of fake blood. Coming out of his ass Like he'd been raped. And they just pull up on a sidewalk in LA somewhere and they just dump them in a dumpster and drive off. And people were running up freaking out because like they were like, oh, something horrendous has happened here." And then the police arrive and they're all like, oh shit, we need to fucking actually get out of here. This got really serious. And there was like loads of rumours of different stuff. I mean, there's obviously the original footage that Giant Oxville did to get the jackass name out there, which was testing a bulletproof vest and getting shot for real with a real gun in a bulletproof vest like footage like that that people have only either heard about or seen small clips elsewhere not fully connected to Jackass all that should come out it would be a nice bonus too if this Jackass set came with all the CKY all of the fucking Steve-O videos and the reason I mentioned Steve-O as well is he has just a wealth of behind the scenes stuff he's just constantly recording same with Bam Bam used to record all the time so there's tons of footage that wouldn't have been released yet they should release all of it, all together, all the episodes of the show, completely uncut, uncensored, extended, everything. All the movies. So you have the Jackass movie, Jackass 2, Jackass 3, then the 2.5, 3.5, and I mean, if you wanted, you could throw in the likes of Dirty Grandpa. Or not wasn't Dirty Grandpa, that's the fucking other one. What's that, Gareth? What's it called? Bad Grandpa. I actually think there was a an extended version of that too Bad Grandpa 0.5 But I never actually saw that I think it was a bunch of the extra shit They never fucking used or was like an alternative plot or something Kind of like what they did with Anchorman And that Wake Up Ron Burgundy thing Which I actually don't know if that was ever a fi- Or no it was It was released separately over here I know the American one had it as a bonus movie I don't know how it fucking goes Like I watched it when it came out And I don't remember it at all It was like an alternative movie Made up of deleted and alternate scenes Whatever the fuck i think it got a release here but i don't know if you were to get the america if you were to get the blu-ray here would it have that as a bonus It'd be a nice bonus even though it, i don't remember being particularly good but it would be cool um so all of that jackass shit the likes of steve demise and rise all the little documentaries that came out about all of them all of the documentaries about jackass they, i remember the mtv were doing these little hour long sketch things um Supposed you can have lots of appearance stuff. The likes of the Dudesons and I think Dirty Sanchez got involved at Knoxville at one point and Just all of these. You'd love to have all that together in a big box set. A whole plethora of fucking extras no one has ever seen. That people have always wanted to see. All together. Remastered. On a Blu-ray. I would fucking be all over that in a harpy. I would love to have that. Because over the years I've got the jackass DVDs. I remember getting the videos when they came out um that was back when it was like volume one it was like three or four episodes on a fucking tape it was like it's terrible value i probably paid like a 20 quid for that um but yeah all that shit that'd be magic because like i said over the years i found different box sets like the last tapes i remember when that came out i was like this is fucking crazy this is stuff i'd never seen a lot of it was it was stuff you'd seen on the show that might be a slightly extended or a bit of a build up to how they were going to shoot that particular prank or something but it was never really and too big but this is the perfect opportunity it's the 20th anniversary you can get everyone involved in it they're already working on a new movie you could even have if they release this box set say near the end of the year they could even have snippets of what they've done so far be like here's a teaser for what's coming in the movie next year get people excited for that all the music video shit as well i remember that the first jackass dvd came with loads of deleted scenes and shit as well which were great um but i had the music video for we want fun by andrew wk like that that was a, another comfort music video because like i've always wanted to be there i used to watch that video on loop it's a great tune as well. but stuff like that all the stuff they're involved the big bumper skull shaped fucking box set, i'd be all over i think a lot of people be all over that and it's something we need because i mean it's embarrassing to look back and see all these things censored now and which which shows getting re-released the way they're supposed to be like look at the wire I mean I have this box set sitting right in front of me now I haven't fucking watched it yet but I watched The Wire when it came well not when it came out a couple of few years after it finished maybe I watched all of it on DVD and it was deadly but the Blu-ray has restored it back to its original widescreen 16 by 9 or uh, presentation and it looks like a new show I haven't watched it yet but I, I saw the comparison and it's, all, it's amazing how they did it because it looks like they've Shot the show that it can work both in sixteen by nine and four by three, and I, I'm just amazed they made it work. So I'm, it's gonna look like a brand new show. I'd love to see it do the same, Jackass. Just re-release it totally unedited. I'm sure they have all that footage. I mean, they have a fucking whole library worth of mad footage they could easily release. And as well, Steve-O's stage shows. I would love to see that because I know he did. He did one for Showtime. Which might be on Amazon Prime actually. I remember watching it. I thinking it was decent. Um, but his newest show. Just sounds. Fucking nuts. He, he. His whole idea was. That he would show all the footage. That he took over the years. That has never been shown anywhere. And he would basically talk about it. As a stand up act. And then show. The mad clip that he's talking about. And I'd say it lived up to the hype. A lot of the time. But it, uh, some of our stunts. He recorded for that. And I followed him on. I think it was Instagram. Pretty sure it was Instagram. Where I saw this. But. He badly, badly burned his uh, his upper body and arms. Because he basically did a thing called a fire angel. Which is a snow angel in a lot of liquid fire, basically. And it's just one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever heard. But I have to see that footage. So if they could release that as part of this set as well, it would just be... Basically, I'm just fucking coming up with the absolute dream box set. Which will probably never in a fucking million years happened but i wish it would and because obviously johnny knoxville would listen to this podcast please johnny knoxville release this fucking set or get it released um because oh man that, that is the dream box set i've come up with these before over the years where i'm just thinking about like oh, imagine they had a box set of these movies that were all together and it came with all this stuff and movies that have lost footage like completely destroyed in fire footage i'm like oh, imagine they found the footage and were able to restore it and I've covered these ideas a million times before, but this is one that I think is actually doable. And with it being the 20th anniversary, it's the perfect time to do it. I mean, I suppose it's harder as well for physical media. I mean, I don't know what the state of it is in terms of new releases. Because, I mean, there's a lot of shit that Arrow have postponed now. I think Indicator have postponed a few things as well. I think Eureka. A lot of these independent labels are still working hard. They're still selling stuff, thankfully but they're postponing a lot of these releases and i think it's more just trying to get them restored and get them put together might have something to do with social distancing i'm not 100 percent, but i'd like to think that they're going to be able to do this when it comes to a set like that if they can find a distributor who will make a set like that and put it together that's another problem because i mean it might not come out to next year with all this shit that's going on but fuck knows um speaking of fucking blu-rays i haven't talked. i'm not going to talk about it until i get them but i've ordered well i ordered 15 blu-rays um and a big book about movies which uh again i'll wait till they arrive before i talk about them but that one of the blu-rays i've had to cancel or was cancelled on me i cannot fucking make sense of why so i'm going to try get it again once they refund me um i think it was some security issue or i'm not i'm not totally sure but it's a reliable site. I know it is. I know people who have used it. I just think it was some fucking issue. Um, with the price or the warehouse they were getting it from. Or something went fucky. But. I was hoping to get the proper. Completely uncut. Three disc special edition of Cannibal Holocaust. I've wanted to get this for fucking years. Every version that's come out over here. Has been censored in some way. Understandably so in a lot of ways. But I still want the most complete version of it. Plus this comes with the best artwork. And it has a soundtrack. And it's just a fucking savage box set. I really want to get it. But obviously I've committed that hitch. So who knows. I could be talking about it again. In a future episode when it arrives. But I do have 14 now. Uh, Blu-rays. Due to arrive in the next week. Hopefully. A majority of which are Arrow Video releases. Because they have a massive Easter sale on now. Which I think goes to the end of the month. Or at least till. I think the last two weeks or so. I only started there during the week. Or last week. So, it's worth diving on. They've actually got some savage stuff at a really good price, too. Uh, some stuff are bargains. They've the likes of The Hunt, which I mentioned on my best of the decade list. It was in my top ten. The Blu-ray, that's gone for five quid. does was like a burp. Was it a burp? I don't know. But the Blu-ray, that's five quid either way. Definitely fucking get that. Miracle Mile as well. Steve Jardin's movie. Fantastic fucking movie. is only a fiver as well. The first Hellraiser movie is only a fiver. They've just fucking loads of shit there, so... It's worth looking into. But as well. What I noticed. I went on the HMV's website then. Which is where I bought. The next load of shit. Um, all of these are going to go on my. Instagram as well. Both personal. And the. Cracked in Instagram. Which I've barely updated as well. I kind of got into a habit of. Including all the movies I review. On there. But I'll tell you what. It's kind of a pain in the hole. Because. <laughs> I mean writing reviews fine. I do that on Letterbox anyway. That's where I keep them all. I've fucking. Tons of them there. Over the last few weeks. But. The problem is is getting the tags and having to find the right tags for the Because that's a pain in the hole. You wanted to kinda of get out there and find the right audience and it's I'm very, very extremely impatient when it comes to doing it. So that's kind of what's put me off. But I don't know, I'll probably get back to doing it. I might do them all in one big post. Something like that. But I still have a load of fucking movie steals and shit I want to put together. Um but yeah, H M V have a big sale on, two for twelve and a lot of shit. Again, they've also started releasing movies I didn't know were on Blu-ray now I know they had those VHS special editions that came out there a few years ago two or three years ago where they had the likes of Back to the Future the Blues Brothers American Werewolf and London the thing and then even Mandy was included on this list where they had VHS packaging but there were still discs on the inside they were just kind of nice retro special editions which I don't really care for I'd rather if it's going to be VHS that came with the VHS in it as well and um, but they have come up with a couple of labels. So they have that label. And they've obviously got the premium collection. Which is just I think Warner Brothers stuff. That they've turned into their own little uh, independent label. Which I'm happy about. Because I'm glad all this shit's finally getting a fucking release. Um, although it's not just Warner Brothers as far as I know. I think it's just different labels. Kind of just drop it on there. If they're like oh this deserves a bit better attention. But we're not too arsed with doing a big special edition. So here take what you can get. But they've now come out with a retro, I think it's retro classics label. And it's pretty cool in this, because a lot of them are some of the things that are actually in that VHS collection. But the likes of 48 Hours, I had no idea it was on Blu ray. So I obviously, that's one I ordered there. That's a, a teaser for what I, I've ordered. Um, but they have The Warriors on there as well. And I thought, fuck, they might actually have the theatrical cut of The Warriors on Blu ray now. It's not, it's the director's cut with the original artwork, which. Is lovely but. Come on just put fucking both versions out. I know people like the director's cut. I don't really give. I don't care for it. I think it's fucking stupid to be honest. Um, but at least give the option. Have both. This is the thing. All of these movies should have both. I've said this about the fucking George Lucas issue as well. The cunt's out there fucking making billions. Fucking every week nearly I'd say. And. He, he doesn't want to consider the original theatrical cuts. Of the original trilogy. As his director's cuts so that's why he added all the bullshit and CGI into them. but he wants to forget about them he's like no the versions that are out now with all the bullshit CGI that I'm changing fucking week to week for Disney Plus are my official director's cuts Lot of bollocks I think especially now because they have this big bumper fucking box set coming out now with all nine movies I think it even comes with the uh, I don't know whether it comes with the, the Solo and the fucking what's it called Rogue One I'm not sure if they're included but it's the nine main movies in that saga. All together. It looks like about fucking 20 discs or something. Well, a serious box set. Why they couldn't just have that. Scale of box set. But include. All cuts of the movie. Make everyone happy. Because people are going to be whinging at him for years and years. He's going to be there going. Oh I think this is the real one. No. Let everyone get what they fucking want. Have. Every cut. Of A New Hope. Where you have the original theatrical. You have the 1997 special edition, the 2004 special edition and whatever the fuck you want to do with these 2011 onwards ones. Have them all together. Let the fans watch and decide which one they like best. But you would make, even if you just made a separate box set of the original trilogy theatrical cuts, people would swarm on them. They would sell out in seconds, particularly if they were limited edition too. You could have nice packaging, you do all kinds of shit. People would fucking dive on them. But yet, he doesn't seem to bother his arse. He just sits there whinging that his new vision isn't the one that people respect. Of course, they don't respect it. They didn't grow up 40 odd years watching garbage CGI of cartoon shit going on in the background. It's like that guy. I'm probably not going to say this guy's name right. Ralph Bashki or Baxi, Bash I don't know how you say his name. B A K S H I or something like that. Bakshi or Bashki. I haven't a clue. But he did Fritz the Cat. And he did... What, well, Coonskin was another one. And I think he did a... a was Alice in Wonderland? I don't remember which one he did. But he, he did all kinds of these mad fucking psychedelics. I think he might have did Lord of the Rings or something. Maybe I'm just remembering all these wrong. But he does these weird animated movies. Where they're kind of... It looks like a real still of a city. But he just does these... Uh, Cell shaded drawings that come over them. And it... Some of it looks really good. They're kind of well animated to a degree. But they're they're kind of cruddy fucking movies to be honest. And I watched one he did a few years ago. Terrible film. Called Cool World. Uh, with Brad Pitt as in it. And Gabriel Byrne. And. You now to try to remember what the fucking plot of this movie is. and another Because it like, gave me a fucking headache. But I think Gabriel Byrne's like sent to prison or something. For killing an animated character. It's like. It's kind of like Roger Rabbit in the sense that. Which by the way. I think Roger Rabbit came out. A few years beforehand. And it looked. A trillion times better. Because uh, Coor World was 92 I think. Red Rabbit was 88. 89. Sometime around then. Um And that looks. Still mind blowing today. How they achieved that is beyond me. And with Bob Hoskins. As well, having to basically act. Like he's fighting these things. It's not like CGI. Where it's like. Okay hold the green ball. And we'll digitally edit that out. It's like no. You just have to. Accurately pretend you're. Fighting with a rabbit here. And we're going to draw it in later. Like It's fucking incredible work. And I think any kid who really wants to get into art. should watch that kind of movie. Um, but this movie. I, I think he's like. On death row or something. And Brad Pitt is like some. Detective. Who's going around the cartoon world. I'll be honest. I can't fucking remember it all. I hated this movie. It didn't make any sense. But there's parts of it where. Because it's in a cartoon world, it had to just demonstrate that it was a cartoon world every fucking shot. So, instead of it just being kind of normal with some cartoony antics going on, there's times where Brad Pitt could be like talking to someone and going, "Okay, yeah, let's get down to the precinct. And he'd walk out of frame and then he'd have a full 30 seconds of just cartoon antics in the background. Like police cars driving and fucking explosions and people getting bonked on their head. A big lump going out of their head and birds flying around. And all this shit just going on nonstop. And I was just like this is the worst demonstration ever of just what you're capable of. It's, it, all, all you're doing is just going look we're, it's a cartoon world. This is what happens. There's no plot to it. It's just cartoon madness going on for several minutes every few minutes in the movie. That's effectively the shit that George Lucas was doing to these new versions of Star Wars. I remember just like this one shot where he edited in what is the equivalent of a space horse, I guess, some sort of alien bucking some guy off the back of it, and it he flips over and lands on the ground as all these near cartoon noises. When you look at the Jabba the Hutt's fucking palace or whatever it is, the shit that's going on in that. Like now, I remember when I was younger, the uh, the weird looks like some horrible type of meat you'd see in a meat stand somewhere of this thing singing at the camera with big lips and i just remember going like as a kid that's all that i remember because i watched that version on video but then when you look at an area like this is the worst cgi it seems so out of place it seems so daft i mean i can accept that more than i can accept the additional shit they fucking added to it for this new special edition like they just keep changing shit it's like imagine being that unhappy with your final product that you're going to keep fucking around with it. No, just let it be. Use your next... Do what you want on your next project. Fix those mistakes with a new project. Don't just go around fucking around with what you've already made and established. It's just... It's very annoying. But I don't remember how I got onto Star Wars now. <laughs> but that's my problem. Is is, is just give to people what they want. Don't put out stupid fucking special editions. The Warriors, that's what I was talking about. Or the special editions that they have in HMV They just fucking Just rehashed that Director's cut that no one really likes Or some people do but it's just It's crap, it's the same principle Bring out the proper versions, that's what I'm trying to say But while going through HMV I trawled to that website Getting all the fucking bargains I could Um, I saw that they had their own Arrow video sale section Now I compared the prices and whatever else And I did the same with Xavi, Zavi have their own one too Um, and i made sure that i was still getting the best value on the actual arrow website so i think they work out They're seven pound fifty on the arrow sites that are like what was it nine something it came to and all these other sites are eight pounds is where they start so it's a minor saving for a lot of them but still a fucking saving um unfortunately though you don't get the points when it's a sale on arrow that's totally fair but also annoying uh, but when I was going through it right, so the Arrow site I think is it's either £19.99 or £24.99 somewhere in that bracket they have the new Vengeance Trilogy the release for that where it has Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance Old Boy and Lady Vengeance I kind of see part of me prefers that set although I have the lovely Old Boy set that comes with all of them as well but I thought when they were going to re-release it when they knew they had some extras fuck up basically what happened was 4k special edition of All boy was due to come out big four disc set for arrow video and it's an amazing box set but something happened with some of the extra features they got pulled and they were like shit we, we kind of promised a lot of features here what can we do tell you what we'll just put out new blu-rays of sympathy for mr vengeance and lady vengeance and make it a vengeance trilogy and i thought savage but still, it still is actually just the All boy box set and includes those two Whereas they released a proper Vengeance Trilogy box set. With lovely artwork that I kind of prefer. Um, but there's no booklets or anything like that for them. So it does have the, the. This one has a benefit. If you could have the booklets that came with this. Old boy one in that set. Then I'd be fucking all over now. I'd actually trade that one in. Um, but that was going for I think 24 or something. I think. It's between 19 pounds and 24 pounds. On both the Arrow site. And. Zavi. And I think Amazon are 24 pounds as well. But HMV had it for fucking 17 quid. Which is a bargain. For that fucking box set. Because it's a lovely fucking box set too. A decent hard box on it. So if you're. Especially if you're into those movies in general. That is the box set to get. And for that price. You literally can't say no. Although. If you're going to be buying it from the likes of. Well most of them. I suppose Arrow. I think I remember. It was, uh, yeah. I was looking at Arrow before. Because I remember they upped their price. For shipping. Big time. To Ireland. So. And one oh one films is about eight pounds shipping, but free in the UK. So Parcel Motel was a big help there. So with the Arrow stuff I got anytime I get in or one oh one films and now this H M V stuff I just get all sent to Parcel Motel way easier. So even with the fucking the charges from Parcel Motel to get that for seventy quid is still an absolute bargain. So that's my I, I don't even want to call it. Bargain of the week. Because I'll just become a thing. And that's not going to. Fucking be me at all. But. Um, yeah. There's plenty of fucking. Uh, physical media. Coming into the house. Over the next few weeks. Although then. Who fucking knows. What, like the postage Is going to be like. I know some people. Have gotten lucky. You know. Some mates. of mine have ordered shit. From German Amazon. They had it in a couple of days. Who. They've always been. Ridiculously efficient anyway. But I don't know. If their. Uh, delivery. System. Is being affected. In any way um we have some interesting blu-ray news on top of that so years ago now i think it was 2014 2015 around that time bong joon-ho came out with a movie called Snowpiercer, which i thought was fucking fantastic it's kind of like cloud atlas if it all took place on a big train which probably badly describes the movie but it's more just a case of cloud atlas had six i think stories over different time periods following different people of who could like this like an ancestry thing where you had certain actors and actresses who were playing men and women of different races which i'd say if that came out now people probably whinge about it you know concert like but but when i first saw that movie i was like well, this is so fucking ambitious and I, I thought the movie was great people who liked the books didn't really like it though but i think that's the case all the time with anything so i i got a fresh perspective of the movie and really enjoyed it. Um. But the reason it reminded me of Cloud Atlas was in that film, you have those six stories that are all wildly different from each other. And I remember Snowpiercer is to do with this massive, like basically the world has frozen over and the only surviving people on the planet are in this massive, huge, it's like a mile long train that has a sort of hierarchy system in it where... All of the poor people are at the very, very back of it. And they're all doing hard manual labour to keep the train running. They're basically being fed these horrible gooey bricks of jelly rations that are made out of absolute shite. I won't explain what they are until you see it. But um, as they go on then, there's all the different things that are keeping the train running until it eventually gets to the educated and the schools and wildlife, nature, all these things. And it keeps going through all these different carriages which have different almost worlds on them. Until it starts getting to the elite and the rich and the kind of scumbaggy. and There's, there's just a lot going on in this movie. It's Bong Joon-ho, so there's a lot of what, that kind of rich versus poor. I suppose more so on the poor perspective this time. Um, kind of narrative running through it. And I thought it was a fantastic film, but it never got a proper release over here. Never came to cinemas. It only seemed to have gotten a Blu-ray in Germany. And I think American stuff like that. But never got a proper release over here. I think now. Like the the official release date. I actually think was last year. Over here. Because it went to Netflix. Straight to Netflix. It was either 2018 or 2019. But ridiculously long after it came out. And I think. It's all because of Parasite. Parasite is now so big. That they're like okay. We want fucking anything to do with this guy. Get it out there. Whatever way we can. So now. They're finally releasing. A Blu-ray of Snowpiercer over here. So if you're a collector of Bong Joon-ho stuff, you can now finally get a... Well, actually, to be honest, I don't think a lot of his stuff is on Blu-ray. I know the host is, mother is... um, Obviously, Parasite now is... I don't think Oxia got a, a Blu-ray release. Cause it was straight to Netflix, but hopefully that will get a proper release. And I don't think Memories of Murder has a Blu-ray release. At least not over here. I think France it does. Um. That's an annoying thing as well. Fucking hell. The amount of savage Korean shit that's not on Blu-ray over here. Like The Wailing. Which is now fucking gone from Netflix. Which I, I've I actually. I don't know if I talked about this. But I've talked a bit before about the problem with. Sort of reliance on. Streaming services. In that I. Obviously I never got the Blu-ray of. The Wailing. Because they never released it. They only bought a DVD out over here. Which is a lot of bullshit. America got a savage release. Savage artwork and all this stuff. Needs a proper release here. Which it might possibly get. Because they're kind of. Oh, I have a few things I want to talk about now. I've actually opened up worms. Um, so I talked about before. How Netflix they'll have a movie on it. And they'll get rid of it. They've done that with The Wailing. The Wailing was the only place over here. To see a HD 1080p version of The Wailing. Unless you import it. And now they're taking it off Netflix. So you're fucked now unless you have it. That's a movie that. Totally deserves a proper fucking blu-ray. And will it happen? Who the fuck knows. They should do it now. But the reason I mention is. A movie came out a few years ago. A French revenge movie. Called Revenge. Which I might have talked about. Again. My memory of the last. I mean it's 14 episodes I'm on now. But it's been. How many weeks? 17 weeks maybe. Maybe more. Um, So it's hard to remember all the shit that I bollocks on about. But that movie. Which is good fun. uh, Has its massive flaws. But it's a lot of fun. They released the Blu-ray of that and then suddenly Second Sight Films have decided they're going to Release the Blu-ray, it's coming out in the next couple of months Great artwork and all it looks quite similar to the normal one But I'm just wondering why it, why it Bothered, why didn't they just fucking do that In the first place and In Bruges have done the same way I can understand getting a more boutique version Of Imbruges out there I don't even think it's a new print But I just don't know what possessed them To fucking release this like that um, But yeah Completely off topic there um, my point was that I've gone onto German Amazon millions of times now and I find a savage copy of A Bittersweet Life, The Wailing, The Yellow Sea, The Chaser, all these unreal, pretty much nearly all those are the same director, but all these unbelievably savage Korean movies I adore. And they're all gone for like a fiver as well and I'm like, oh Christ. And you look at the details like, oh yeah, the only subtitles are in German. It's like for fuck's sake like I know it's a German release but just put fucking English subs on there as well I want to get copies of these movies properly on Blu-ray but there's no proper version of A Bittersweet Live over here there is a copy of The Chaser or sorry of The LLC. The Chaser only ever gained a DVD with a shit cover to make it look like some crappy throwaway fucking thriller movie that is one of the finest fucking thrillers ever made full stop that should have way more fucking attention and better artwork and all that kind of shit But then you have the wailing as well. It's like, I want to have a nice Blu-ray of that. Actually, that kind of leads me into a direction I'm going anyway. Because I've been talking for ages now. I think one of the first things I ever talked about on this show was HDR, um, Blu-rays, Blu-ray players, sorry, and TVs. Like I am on that journey now to get that fucking glorious TV that I want. OLED TV and all the fucking shit that I want with it. But I'm debating now about the Blu-ray player. See, I want to get a multi-region player because that will open up more avenues to maybe get the likes of the Whaling from America, provided it's cheap. But the issue I'm facing now is how reliable a multi-region player is. So I've been toying with the idea because, I mean, obviously, when it comes to 4K, I'm not really entirely on the bandwagon. Um, some 4K stuff looks amazing, but some, some stuff I can't really tell a fucking huge difference. I mean... It's going to get to the point now where your eye just won't be able to tell what is the highest quality anymore. They're going to be coming out with 8 and 12K and you are going to be like, I actually cannot tell the difference. And they're going to be going, oh, well, this has many more megapixels here and there's more colour coming out of this. Like, I can't see that. Unless I can see it, I, I don't want it. I don't give a fuck about it. Like, you could give me a, a 20 grand TV and say this TV is higher quality than your TV... But it's probably going to look the same. Because that's the only way your eye can pick it up. What's the point? It doesn't make a difference to me. It's all just nonsense as far as I'm concerned. 1080p looks phenomenal to me. And in a lot of ways can't be topped. But there are 4K things I will want. Because I know. I mean if it's a new master. If it's mastered in 4K. I might want it that way. I mean I've only got one 4K Blu-ray so far. And that's once upon a time in Hollywood. And that was only because. Well first of all it has the black. Black. Box, which I much prefer I, I, I've come to not like the blue boxes on Blu-rays now um, I like the clear ones when they have reversible sleeve but even then they don't look as nice as a black box the black box are just the best but this has a black box and a black banner and I thought that just just looks so much better but I ended up getting it for 12 quid on HMV's website around Christmas because they had an offer it was like if you buy or spend 20 quid we'll give you this for 12 and it normally costs 30 something so I thought it was worth the money and it was but That's the only 4K movie I have. I suppose the only reason I want the 4K player is the occasional movie, like the new Dawn of the Dead, I want to get the 4K ultimate fucking version of that that's coming out. I'd like that in 4K. I'd like this. And I'm going to have very, very select movies. Movies like Die Hard, or actually one of the movies I have on the way, another spoiler here for what's coming when when they arrive, is the 4K limited edition version of Blade Runner 2049. Now, I know... It's not real 4K. As far as I know, it was like shot, like upgraded to 4K or something. I remember seeing some website that told you whether it was a real or fake 4K Blu-ray. And fake's probably a strong word because it still looks absolutely astoundingly good. It's just that it's not exactly mastered in 4K. It's an upscale. Um, but that movie just looks fucking phenomenal. And I mainly got it because the limited edition is absolutely savage. It's a big 3-disc savage box there. But I am going to have very select 4K Blu-rays. I suppose I just want a 4K player because it'll have the capability of... um. What's it called? High dynamic range and Dolby Vision and Dolby Vision sound and or Dolby Atmos, whatever. I want all those capabilities. But the multi-region part would be nice for any American Blu-rays again. But if the machines are having issues with breaking down or not being able to function properly because they've been fitted to work multi-region, then it kind of puts me off the investment. What I think might be an option is get the 4k player anyway because I'd like to have like I said, all those abilities and if I want to, to play 4k movies should I get them Um, and they're going cheap enough now anyway but get one of them, good quality, seriously proper one, but also buy a cheap as possible region A player, so I can just play all the American shit that I want because 4k stuff anyway is multi-region, they, they aren't region locked thank fuck So if I bought American 4K stuff, it'll still work no problem in the 4K player. It's the Blu-rays I have a problem with. So if I could just have a 4K player and a cheap region A player, I'd have all that benefit for maybe the same price. So that's kind of the direction I'm looking to go, but I'm still sussing out different players' ideas, what I might do. I want to get some decent feedback, though, about multi-region players. If I can get enough people who recommend a particular player and say, look, I've had this over 10 years, it still works perfectly fine, or something like that. Then I might go that direction, but I don't know. I just get rid of fucking region locks for Christ's sake. They're so fucking dumb. But I, I, I think I might have gone on this before. I'm not, I'm not gonna go on it again. I am, however, gonna go on about certificates again because I mean this may as well be my fucking catchphrase at this point to talk about just how stupid a certification system is, particularly the BBFC. Um now I might have mentioned how I think I mentioned about Joker and how that had a 15-cert or 16-cert in the cinema and now has an 18-cert on Blu-ray, which is beyond fucking stupid. Um, And even just, I don't even like the idea of two different certs being on a box. Colour Out of Space, the new uh, Richard Stanley movie starring the legendary Oscar-winning actor Nicolas Cage, has a 15-cert in England but an 18-cert here and it just looks so dumb on the disc. But the issue I have is movies that have only got an increased certificate due to an extra of some sort. Now, in general, I think it's fucking stupid. Um, some that came to mind, I remember when I had the Jackie Brown DVD, and even the Blu-ray I have now is the same, um, had a, an 18th cert, but the movie actually came out as a 15th, and it's still considered a fifteens movie. It's just that there's extra features that bump it up to an 18th. I still actually don't know what that feature is. I should really look into that. Because I've always just been baffled. It could be the kind of like. Girls with guns kind of movie that's in it. Fuck knows. I mean. I know it's an extra I think on the DVD. So they might say. Oh yeah that's exploited" Or some bullshit. I'll look into it and see. But. So far I can't think as to why. Sometimes it happens with commentaries. Where. An interesting one. I actually think. I remember Dodgeball was 12s. When it was in the cinema. Although I think the DVD said like. Oh a ruder version. But there's nothing actually different in it. I think that was caused as. There was outtakes and behind-the-scenes stuff that had swearing, and like f words in it, and they said, "Okay, we're gonna bump up this." Here's a funny one though. It's I think this is 15s here, even though it, shouldn't be, it should be 12s. But it's 12s in England. That's *Bokurun Bonsai* and oh, geez, what's the full name of this movie again? *Bokurun Bonsai: uh, uh, Ventures Across the Eight Dimension* or some fucking like I I don't actually remember what the fucking title of it is. I uh, thought it was only an okay movie Some good stuff in it But uh, The extras on it have uh, Q&A with Kevin Smith Really interesting Really good Q&A as well But he's swearing like a sailor Throughout it Yes the movie still has a 12s rating where's, where's the logic in that If you can still release the movie With that rating yeah, you still have access To all that swearing yet you can only have one F word If it's going to be 12s And all these stupid rules That don't make any fucking sense um, But yeah Jackie Brown Was one that came to mind and I was just thinking of some other ones, like even just certs that have changed over the years. So you have the likes of Predator and Die Hard. Die Hard actually gets a cinema release as a 15s, but the Blu-ray is still 18s, which makes no sense. And Predator is the same. Predator had an 18s Blu-ray, then a 15s Blu-ray, and now it's 18s again because it's a, a new release that came out, the 4K one. Which, by the way, that's, that's a movie I will buy in 4K because this is how fucking stupid the whole remastering process is. Predator has been plagued for years with shit copies. So the first, like the DVDs were probably the best you could get at that stage. The first Blu-ray that came out looked like an upscale DVD and it was just murky and muddy and shitty looking. Then they released the Ultimate Hunter edition, which was the 15th one. And the whole movie looks like a fucking oil painting. They just got rid of every ounce of grain. People forget that movies shot on fucking film have grain. That's a natural effect, and if you're if you're looking at a movie with grain, then you know it's it's proper, it's the real deal. These clinical, ultra clear HD masters fuck these movies up big time. That has one of the worst ones. When you look at Arnie in it, he, he looks like someone just did a really interesting uh, portrait of him in some fucking Photoshop. Actually, you know it's like it's like those uh, these sort of digitally drawn to look like hand drawn posters that come out. You see them come out. Now I, I can't even think of one example. Like even the new Star Wars movies. Have these things where they are drawings. But they're kind of. I, I think they're digital. They might actually be hand drawn. I'm not sure. But. Movies like that. They come out and they have a. They want to go for this old school 80s hand drawn poster feel. But they're done digitally. And that's what this looks like. Ernie just looks garbage in it. Um, So that looked terrible. And everyone whinged about it. I said alright we want a new one. I said okay. Here's Predator 3D. They released Predator 3D. It's the fucking version that came out before the Ultimate Hunter one again, just with some 3D effects. So for years and years, people have been looking to get a proper version of Predator, and finally they said, right, we're gonna do a fucking 4K UHD version of it, and it's gonna be the real deal. We're gonna bring it back to what it's supposed to look like. It's gonna be it's gonna retain the grain and still have a clear new remaster quality to it. It's what everyone wanted, it's what everyone got and they were delighted. But it comes with it's it's a predator box set. Has Predator in UHD and it has Predator 1 and 2 included. Predator 1, you'd think it would just be a 1080p version of the new Master. No, it's just a fucking Ultimate Hunter version again they threw on the fucking extra disc. No one wants that version. Stop doing these stupid fucking things and just give people the versions of the movies that they want. Stop tweaking shit. If you're going to remaster it, remaster it properly. Preferably with director approval so they can get their actual vision. Not George Lucas style where they just add a bunch of shit to it. I mean, someone sitting there going, okay, this looks how I had it in my fucking head. You've mastered this perfectly. You're not adding shit to it. You're not smoothing this out. and going, Oh yeah let's change the, change the lighting here. And this this and this. No. Just bring it out the way it's fucking supposed to be. That was a complete tangent. Uh, unrelated. But what I was talking about. Is just how Predator the ratings change. But that, like I said. That new UHD version of Predator's 18. So the logic still. It's just not there. But the thing that made me want to fucking bring this up. In the first place is The Predator. A movie I think is absolutely bollocks that I know Joe from Lazy Dads loves, so I must always remind him, myself and Derek must let him know that he is entirely wrong for his opinion on that film. Um This is a, a rare case in life where an opinion can be wrong, uh, because The Predator is one of the shittest movies of the decade, without question. Especially in terms of just as a quality of movie and the disappointment that comes with it with all the people involved. But that's not what I'm getting into now. We've already had our arguments about that on the Lazy Dads podcast, which you should listen to. Um, but I'm actually going to throw out some other shout-outs for podcasts later as well. Um, what's it called? So, The Predator Blu-ray. I remember when I saw it in the cinema, it had a 15 cert. I think, it could have been 16, but it was a 15th anyway, uh, in England. But the Blu-ray that came out had an 18 cert, and I thought, okay, is this... An extended version? Does it have all that footage that was reshot that they originally weren't gonna use and all this kind of shit? When you look at the back of the box, it has an eighteenth cert, but it says much like the Jackie Brown one, that the fifteenth the movie has a fifteenth cert, but the features are 18s. But it's not eighteens for any other reason. It's not that the extras has some extra language or there's some behind the scenes stuff that might push it over an 18s. It is eighteens. Because of the fucking trailer. Is a bonus feature. The trailer's rated 18s. The movie's rated 15s. Therefore the entire box set is 18s. Fucking idiocy. I should also make note. That. You probably might not notice it. Because I've edited them out at this stage. But I have had to pause this podcast. About 40 or 50 times. No joke. To cough. And try to keep myself uh, from dying. So um i hope this all comes out well there's not too many noticeable edits but fucking hell yeah uh, i didn't realize how difficult talking was but that's all i wanted to say on those anyway there's a few other things that i had in mind to talk about but i've actually gone on for nearly an hour so i'm gonna speed review a whole other of shit that i saw um over the last while just to get that out of the way and then for one of the next episodes to talk about this i actually because it was easter i wanted to talk about easter eggs in movies uh, on blu-ray particularly uh, or on dvd and blu-ray uh not necessarily stuff that's kind of hidden within the movie but stuff that would be on the disc um i remember an interesting one was on the Marat's dvd if you fuck around try cuz used to be able to, like menus used to be a lot more interactive and interesting there used to be a lot more going on one of the movies i'm going to talk about in a few minutes is bridge on the river Kwai. and i remember when i just put in the blu-ray the menu that came up was like this animated like evening sun on the fucking water and bridge building sound effects in the background I was like that's kind of nice that they bothered to do that most movies now just have a still image and play and special features whatever else they didn't put any real effort in like old DVD menus every menu you went into was a little animated thing it was a kind of a bit of a big deal Um, Die Hard in particular had a lot of that kind of shit but that also had some easter eggs on too but one that came to mind is uh, From All Rats where if you're going around to the menu you could press up and down on each um like so i us say like play, scene selection, special features and setup. You can go through them. and press up and down on all of them and eventually one will go to a little secret button and you click that. And I remember the one from Borat. was Kevin Smith and I think it was Scott Moser sitting there going, Why are you looking for Easter you fucking loser? and <laughs> basically giving you a load of shit. I remember there was a funny one with uh, Borat where if you went into the language settings they had Hebrew as an option and when you click it, a big alarm starts going off and saying they detected a Jew and that uh, they have to turn off the DVD and <laughs> fucking put in something else or something like that. I don't even know if they actually had an actual Hebrew option on it. It was just there as the extra. Um, but it was a smart idea, and I wonder if anyone who hadn't heard the movie and just thought, oh, I'll watch this in Hebrew, this is my language, just got the most offensive fucking message in history thrown at them. Um, but yeah, I... I I wanted to just kind of talk because I I wanted to kind of investigate some of the other DVDs and Blu-rays I had um I remember this was odd you could nearly call this an easter egg but it was more or less just a bad I suppose transfer of information so I remember one of the most coveted items I've ever had in my life was is that the word maybe um was it was actually my brother had it. it was a three disc special edition of the Die Hard Trilogy, massive big set on DVD from America and that had all the movies uncut. Like the second one was completely uncut and the third one in particular, which wasn't released uncut here until twenty twelve or twenty eleven. Um or later, it could be twenty thirteen. Um had all those uncut and I remember Die Hard Three was just fucking deadly. But when you went onto it, it had an option for it's all the same extras but it had alternate ending. And you got to see an alternate ending with there. Uh, What's his face? I have the actor's name. Not in my head. Jeremy Irons and Bruce Willis having this kind of talk. Out. It was a more kind of gritty 70s nearly ending to it. Um, rather than kind of exciting action ending. Um, but what was interesting was that the, that was on the American DVD. It clearly said alternate ending. But on the UK DVD, had the same menu, but it never actually had the option for alternate ending. You had to fuck around and it just came up with a play button and eventually when you play that it said play with commentary or not and i was like what the fuck's going on here and then when you click into it it actually played the the, the alternate ending so that was kind of an easter egg but yeah I, I just want to kind of investigate some of the older movies that i had and just be like oh that's stuff that was hidden there sometimes it'd be deleted scenes it'd be behind the scenes stuff it could be music video maybe the austin paris dvd had something like that it's just an interesting thing they used to do but they don't seem to do it anymore at movies and I always thought it was a kind of nice addition. It made it somewhat special when you're younger anyway to have a DVD and be like, oh, something secret no one knows about. A, a great modern Blu-ray secret is the Criterion release of the Lone Wolf and Cub collection. Uh, it, it's First of all, it's an unbelievable fucking box set. But that movie in particular has involves a baby cart for a lot of it. And there's a lot of secret compartments and blades and all kinds of shit in this baby cart. What was very cool about this, and I didn't know this, I had this for like a month or something, or maybe longer before someone actually pointed this out, that in the back of the box, it's kind of a slip box that it goes into, you can open the back and there's a secret compartment in it that comes out with a little schematics, if that's the word, or blueprint, of how to build your own baby cart. And I thought that was just a fucking savage thing that no one knew about. They didn't even mention this in the... Um, kind of specs and stuff for the box set they don't no mention of it whatsoever so it's just a savage little secret you had to stumble upon yourself much like easter eggs so i think it'd be nice if more labels and well, i suppose distributors labels and people bringing out these things as well as the actual people releasing the disc will put this stuff together i think it's a, it's a nice addition um so yeah even though i just said i, I wanted to talk about easter eggs and i'm actually just talking about them but I will, i'll bring it up again another stage Maybe while talking to the likes of uh, some guests that I have on, we'll hash out some of our favorite Easter eggs we found over the years, whatever the fuck. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna move on to some reviews for shit I saw now. So, obviously, like the rest of the world, that this seems to have taken a whole fucking planet by storm. Maybe because I this is something that I wonder would be as popular. Would it be as popular had everyone not been trapped indoors and able to watch it? But this is a documentary on netflix an eight part well seven part kind of eight part series called tiger king um it almost seems redundant to talk about at this stage because everyone is already fucking talking about it it's everywhere and i'd say a good 90 percent of the memes that are out now are all just tiger king related but the basic idea is you're following this guy joe exotic who has his own tiger sanctuary kind of place he's owns hundreds of fucking big cats and all kinds of animals and all sorts of shit and it is all about him and the rival big cat people that are all around and all of the insane antics that they get up to including fucking murder and (laughs) um, assassination attempts and attacks and it's hard to actually break down the amount of stuff that's in this because I will say one thing I thought it'd be crazier (laughs) I mean, it is definitely crazy. The stuff that goes on in it is mad, but there's there's a lot of it is more to just do with a a few key incidents that they talk about. So there's a lot of double crossing and spying and government surveillance and all sorts of fucking shit that goes on. And this all dates back thirty something years when it all like a lot of this kicks off. Um. It's interesting for sure. And, like, see, the thing is, a lot of people are saying it's a masterpiece and it's the best documentary they ever come in on Netflix and all. It isn't its fucking whole. It's a very entertaining 70 hours, seven episodes. This really should have been three or four episodes. Uh, I feel like they padded out a lot of it by kind of just re establishing what lunatics all these people are. um, And kind of how they don't really give a fuck about animals at the end of the day. It's more just about fame and notoriety and whatever else Um, there's some really interesting stuff in it I think it opens up an interesting murder investigation idea which I wish it kind of expanded on a bit more there's kind of an episode dedicated to it but then it sort of just goes oh yeah well you never know there is a lot of funny moments in it and I mean it definitely is crazy they're fucking oddball characters but I think people are expecting this to be mad I think Don't Fuck O' Cat set the bar for just how fucking crazy and unpredictable these documentaries can be but it was only three episodes as well this could have probably been done in about that time but they do linger on a lot of it and i think i think there's a lot of funny stuff in there and interesting stuff in there but it's kind of i don't love it i think it's fine uh no the first two or three episodes are brilliant but after that it's kind of just eh, padding and waiting for the end kind of stuff and they had a, a revealed an episode there a secret episode eight well, secret's probably not the right word, but it's a special episode eight that they released yesterday on Easter. And I thought it was going to be... No, I didn't even watch it. I just, I'm just, not really that arse to be honest. But it was more of just an expansion. Would that be the word? Not even. It's more like a, a, a kind of just behind... Like When you see the Oscars and they have three people sitting there talking bollocks about it, going, oh, so Parasite won this. What do you think? And they talk about it. It's like that only involving these characters i think john McHale actually does the the hosting of it whatever the fuck the word is. um heard it was shite i'm not all that interested in that to be honest i'd be eager to see where it all ends up because i think it ends in an interesting way but i don't know i thought it was good fun i think there's crazier out there there's better out there um but yeah if you want to kill a few hours it's worth a look i actually started Ozark season three as well i watched the first episode but i thought the quality looked shite and I know Netflix were talking about reducing quality. So I think that's affecting that. And I, I don't want to watch that show in, in low quality. So maybe I was watching it as a, at a busy time. Because it was like a Saturday afternoon. But I'll give it another try maybe tonight and see. Who knows. If the quality looks better around non-peak times. Then yeah I'll stick with it. But I don't want to watch that show unless it's perfect. So yeah Tiger King. Good fun. Worth a look. But it's, uh, it's no masterpiece. Um. I do have a fucking whole list of shit here that I want to get through So I'm going to bash through these just to be quick So I don't remember if I talked about Queen and Slim in the last episode I don't think I did But really enjoyable film It's so fucking odd and way funnier than I expected I thought it was going to be a very serious bleak kind of drama Because I mean the whole idea of it is Is a a couple that met on Tinder and they're out on a date And they're not really actually seeing eye to eye on anything It doesn't seem like it's going well at all but they're a black couple and they get pulled over by a white racist cop who ends up uh, it ends up in a situation where that cop gets shot and they're on the run and to be honest i had a feeling it was going to be in a very sort of really obvious on the nose message pushing kind of plot line like there was one that came out a few years ago i don't remember the name of it but it, it just seemed like it was really hammering home shit that everyone kind of already had seen a million times before um this is the direction i thought it was going to go but fucking hell this went every other direction than you could expect it's not preachy which is a surprise i mean there are there are elements to it for sure but in general it's not preachy it fucking is totally unpredictable with how it's going to go it's really fucking funny way funnier than i expected like genuine actual funny not just sort of it's oh, humorous moments it's like a comedy nearly um bucking woodbine also makes an appearance in it and it's a fairly heavy appearance too which i thought was good because he doesn't get nearly enough credit than he deserves or that he deserves because i think he's fucking great um and everyone seems to agree with me everyone's really happy that he got this decent role in this movie but it's, yeah, it's just really strange funny some amazing cinematography i think the director i don't remember her name now um but she originally did music videos for likes of Beyoncé and shit like that. So I think she has a more music video eye. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it has its flaws. When it's preachy, it is a bit preachy. But when it's not, it's just fucking tremendous. I thought it was really fucking well made. Very fun. And uh, yeah, it's just something that I wish I got to see. Because I mentioned before, and like on the earlier episodes, I had so many chances to go to press screenings and previews of this. And I just never got around to going. Uh, The one I was meant to go to as a proper premiere of, it was fucking sick, so... Um, But, yeah. Finally got to see it now. Delighted I did. Really enjoyed it and highly recommend it. I'm going to go on a more disappointing route now after this. I'm kind of looking... at. Usually when I do this, I look at my letterbox and I go through it, but... I don't know, I might just cherry-pick. Who knows? Well, I've already started this one, so... I decided... Now, here's the thing. I am a complete fucking idiot because... I've spent so long whittling down my top 100 of the decade list. And I fucking forgot this. And I actually probably would have put that in ahead of some of them. And I don't know why it didn't come to me. I I definitely have it marked on on Letterboxd. I'm fairly certain I do. So I don't know why it eluded me. But it's a, a fantastic French movie called The Untouchables. Not Untouchables. Intouchables. And it's this really just powerful, endearing, lovely friendship story. True story as well. Uh, about this guy who's I think he's fresh out of prison or he's like he's struggling to find a job anyway but he's just gone to job interviews for the sake of just saying that he's gone to them and has to get signed off on it and one of them he picks is for a care assistant essentially for a quadriplegic and he feels like that everyone is always just giving him sympathy and looking down on him because he's a quadriplegic whereas this guy comes into the interview and is just like yeah I don't really give a bollocks about you just sign my fucking papers and i'll be out of here he looks at that as here's something that isn't looking down at me who's just treating me like i'm anyone else that he'd meet so he actually hires him and the two of them grow to become great friends and there's a lot of amazing scenes of how that comes together really powerful drama really nice endearing fun stuff i loved it and then i saw but a year later after i watched it that they were going to do a remake and it was going to be Kevin Hart In the role of the guy Looking for the job And Brian Cranston As the quadriplegic And Fucking Like I mean When I saw the trailer I thought like Okay it looks like shit But You're kind of working With really good material here It seems pretty hard To fuck up I was wrong I should this on Because my man Was looking to watch Something more uh, Uplifting I think we all are With the shit That's going on Even though I'm still Watching weird bleak shit All the time But in general More uplifting Non-taxing Enjoyable stuff so I said, fuck it, I'll go for that. I know the, the original's brilliant. The remake will probably be serviceable stuff. She likes Brian Cranston, as we all do. This should work. But, oh my God, it was the most soulless piece of shit I ever fucking watched in my life. Uh, well, not in my life, that's actually a complete over-exaggeration. But it was a piece of fucking shit, I can guarantee you that much. I think Cranston doesn't really seem all that committed to the role. Kevin Hart is not right for the role at all. He's too Kevin Hart in it. Even though he's going for the more dramatic, button-pushing stuff... He's still Kevin Hart. It's very clear. It, he doesn't really break away from what he usually is. Nicole Kidman has a part in it which is a much bigger part than what's in the original version. And they turn it into a love story for some fucking reason. Um, they do so many shitty Americanized twists that are just not at all endearing. It's a hideous movie. It's one of the best examples of how fucking shite digital cinematography can be. Like I know I mentioned it before. Can be done right? You look at David Fincher. You look at people who do it properly. Denis Love*. This is garbage. It looks terrible. Really terrible. No redeeming features in that aspect. The writing's bad. It just takes the general ideas and stuff. And twists it in its own way. Doesn't work. And by the end of it. I was just rolling my eyes. Going this is just shite. It just really just. Fucking put a bad taste on mouth. I think even if I hadn't loved the original. I'd still probably think this. Because it's just so. It's just such a weak. Obvious attempt at heartstring pulling drama but it doesn't work i thought it was a pile of shite and i don't recommend it so the upside do not watch it's on prime when you see it on prime skip it and watch suspiria instead um that's two mentions of suspiria on prime today there you go more reasons to watch it although not even nearly slightly an uplifting film um after that i actually revisited one that i hadn't seen in about 18 years and i remember loving it back in the day because obviously I was a big fan of Friends at the time obviously I obviously loved Bruce Willis at the time because of Die Hard and this is a movie called The Whole Nine Yards and I used to always watch this movie because I had a I think my brother had a video might have been an early DVD but I used, to, I used to watch it a lot and always enjoyed it always found it really funny and it had good twists basically Machi Perry is a dentist who did I mention he was in it already? no my brain just did total shit there Um He plays a dentist who he's married to this piece of shit wife, Rosanna Arquette, I think, plays her. Is it? I think it's her. And she's just like soul sucking, hates him. He's just miserable in his life. And his new next door neighbour happens to be Bruce Willis. And he thinks, I'll introduce myself to him. And he realises where he recognises him from. And that is because. Oh, this is all set in Canada, by the way. Uh, It's because he's actually a Chicago mob boss who is now on the run and hiding out in Canada. And he's in way over his head. And he gets involved in his antics. And the antics of the Chicago mob. And all kinds of stuff. I thought it was a lot of fun back in the day. And it still is a lot of fun now. It just doesn't have the same punch it did when I was younger. I remember this was just real kind of. Fucking I suppose not even hard or rated. But just something that was like it felt a bit more. Above what I should be seeing at that age. I mean it it obviously was. It was 15s. But I was 10 or so when I saw it. Could even be younger. But um, yeah I just remember thinking it was great fun really enjoyable and is also nothing too taxing just very entertaining it still is but like i said the punch isn't there there's some jokes that are still quite funny and some of the delivery's good it's feel good is not the word but it's it's just enjoyable um but the, the laughs aren't quite as strong and it's a very fucking corny finale but as i said it's enjoyable you'll uh you won't feel like you wasted your time with it. Think, I think it's good crack. but I, There's a lot of movies like that. Again I'm revisiting some of them. And also discovering new ones. That I know I would have loved back then. Um, one I'm going to mention in a few minutes. That I fucking hated now. But I know I would have loved as a kid. Um, but that's one that I knew I loved as a kid. That I enjoyed as an adult. It's somewhere in the middle. It's worth the look. It's grand. Plus it also it's kind of interesting. Because that movie is what sort of led to. Machi Perry and Bruce Willis. Working together on Friends. So. Fun fact of the day. Um, after that, I watched a very fucking good movie called False. This is one that came straight to Amazon Prime. It came out in 2014. or when I say straight to Amazon Prime, it went on Amazon Prime there last week. And it's by Riley Stearns who made The Art of Self-Defence, a movie with Jesse Eisenberg I fucking loved from last year. Um, this is similar kind of wheelhouse in the sense of the deadpan, very dark, unusual side of comedy. But it follows a... A guy who sells books about cults and he's actually a deprogrammer and he's hired by two parents who are distraught and say, look, our daughter's been inducted into this cult. We need you to kidnap her, bring her to a hotel room and deprogram her and basically get her back to sanity and bring her home. And he does that. He ends up kidnapping her, bring her to the hotel and begins the deprogramming process. And he said deprogramination, but that's not a word. The deprogramming process. Or 2D programmer, and a very interesting battle of wits kicks off from there. And there's a lot of psychological shit going on with it. I don't want to say much more, but really fucking interesting. Uh, Leland Dorser finally gets to fucking take a lead role. He generally just plays neurotic, anxiety ridden weirdo, but now he gets to be, well, kind of that, but in a lead role. And, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, as well, is the woman that he has to deprogram. She's always good. And I discovered that she's actually either married to or going out with Riley Stearns. But that's how all that came together. But, yeah, Fault's really good. It's on, as I said, Amazon Prime. Very short, too. I think it's only, like, 80 minutes or something like that. But well worth your time. And it's, uh, reasonably unpredictable. I enjoyed it. Um, after that, I finally got to see something that won, like, fucking 10 Oscars or something like that. I can't remember how many. Um... I didn't get to see it at the time there was loads of praise then there was years of praise since and I had the (coughs) blu-ray for several years and still haven't watched it but I got around to watching it there during the week and that is from 2011 the Oscar multi Oscar winning movie The Artist Um, this is a movie that if you love old Hollywood or the golden age of Hollywood or even silent cinema then this is for you it's fucking fantastically well done. It's a a genuine silent movie. Now there's some creative stuff done with sound throughout it. But in general. Totally silent you have. It's Jean Derjean. I think you say his name is. I can't remember how you fucking say it. But. This was the first thing I'd heard about him. In. And then obviously I saw him in The Wolf of Wall Street. And he's appeared in a bunch of shit now. Um, Jean Derjean. I'm trying to do it from memory. I can't see his name in front of me. But it's a fucking weird French name. Um, But he's fantastic in it. you obviously got John Goodman as well. Who's just always enjoyable to watch and he's just in the perfect role like you can't see him in anything else I wouldn't trust him in a different role in this movie Um, but the idea is that Jean oh do no, I have to actually look up his name because it's going to piss me off Um, because I don't know the fucking actor's name in it uh, how do you say this fucker's name now Jean Dujardin Jean Dujardin that's how I'm going to say it from now on and that's that so Jean Dujardin Hopefully I'm fucking saying that correctly now. Uh, I'm gonna just call him Jean. You know who I'm fucking talking about when I say Jean. So Jean is an actor in the late 1920s who was just thriving in Hollywood silent cinema. And he ends up meeting a girl who actually I don't know if her name is actually fucking great in this. God, this is this is kind of why preparation is a good idea, but also why it's it's more interesting this way to hear me fucking panic and try to figure out names. So yeah, this is her Bernice Bejo or Berenice? So Berenice Bejo. I was gonna call her Berenice. So it's a uh, actually his name is George Valentine. So that's 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 the the character's name. So Jean Dujard, Jean Dujardin plays George Valentine, and uh, Berenice Bejo plays Peppy Miller. So he meets Peppy Miller on set of one of his new movies, and he's just kind of infatuated by her and thinks that she's amazing and they start to work together more and more and she becomes really popular and this is just moving into the early 30s when silent cinema is kind of going away and now sound is coming in cinemas and he feels a a bit left out of the loop because everyone's progressing there and peppy miller in particular is progressing in that and it's one of these kind of his uh, glory years of past and by kind of movies it's happened a million times before but this one is set in this particular time and in that style it's actually made to look like a movie of the time and they do a fantastic job so many little details you'd actually nearly forget that it isn't from that time if you didn't see John Goodman there if you didn't see John Goodman or James Cromwell who's always brilliant too then actually Malcolm Attila has a small appearance too but if you didn't see all these people you would think okay this is a legitimate 1920s movie but well, it's not it's a fantastic modern movie that i would fully recommend especially if you're into that time period and there's just oh by the way uggy the dog is a real dog <laughs> that's actually the stupidest sentence i've ever said but uggy the dog is a dog that was hired for this movie who was just fucking brilliant he's one of the best dog actors i've ever seen and uh he's so good in fact he has his own little spot in the Hollywood walk of fame um unfortunately he died a couple of years ago but at least he left a great legacy behind with a performance that should have gone an oscar i think so best uh best actor uggy the dog so the artist from 2011 i really enjoyed it i it's not that i don't think it's a masterpiece i thought it was really really good but i didn't i didn't love 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 it the way a lot of people did i still gave it one love so the artist from 2011 fully recommended um after that going back to all my fucking windows here Oh yeah I finally got around to seeing Bad Boys for life And Like I said before The first Bad Boys movie On a rewatch was Kind of a letdown Or a fairly big letdown Second one I actually Quite enjoyed on a rewatch So I thought this would be A good balance of the two I was wrong This was a huge Fucking letdown for me I think Whoever the director is I don't remember his fucking name I'm not going to go Arse through list again here Um, He tries to emulate Michael Not Michael Mann What's his name Michael Bay's style and say a little bit about Michael Bay. But he has a very distinct particular style. That really only he can do. And this director tried to do the same thing. And made an arse of it. He tries to have the same kind of flashy. Over the top cinematography. But it doesn't really work. The comedy is so weak. There's there's moments now. Don't get me wrong. There are moments I did laugh. There's a couple of action scenes that look alright. But most of the action is dog shit. The, the money that's put into this movie. Doesn't look like it appears on screen. But Michael Bay no matter how fucking good or bad the movie is, you're seeing that budget in its fullest on screen. I don't think this guy was able to do it as well. I think the jokes didn't really work. The characters didn't really give a fuck about the. The last half an hour is shite. I mean, it's the two cops back together again, thrown into a scenario, blah, blah. You've fucking heard it many times before. It has nothing new added to it. I expected a lot better from it. I didn't get it. I don't hate the movie. I just wouldn't watch it again. I'd actually... I'd consider watching the first one again even though it annoys me. I'd definitely watch the second one again. That's how good an impression that made. It probably sounds like I'm rushing through all these movies. And that's because I fucking fully am. Because I've literally several times in the middle of reviews or between reviews I've actually had to stop to cough. So I'm, uh, I'm putting myself through hell here just to fucking provide you with uh, what was supposed to be an hour of entertainment. I'm already pushing fucking 90 minutes. But I'm flying through these now. So there's still a few to go. And we're getting there. So another one that I watched is, well, it's technically a movie, but it's more of a pilot for a show. But it it does count as a TV movie that became one of the best TV shows of all time. And that is Larry David, Kirby Enthusiasm. It was uh, made as a sort of mockumentary about Larry David trying to get back into stand-up and kind of all the characters around him and the shit that he gets into and the kind of dialogue scenarios he gets into, just typical Larry David stuff. Obviously it was a big hit and they were like, look, we can make a fucking show out of this. And they did. They made arguably the most consistent and brilliant comedy show ever made. Because you look at Always Sunny Philadelphia, it's still the most longest running comedy come out there. But there's so many episodes that don't work. I think up until like season nine or something, it was peak. It was brilliant all the way. But then after that, there's so many scattered episodes where they're shite and where they're only okay. Some are brilliant. This show... I don't think it's ever been a bad episode of Kirby Enthusiasm. It is consistently gold. Start to finish. Even if some episodes aren't as funny as other ones. It is still top class. And this was the, the kind of birthplace of this. It's the show finding its fee. I'm glad they didn't keep the documentary style. But it does keep the same kind of awkward scenarios and comedy. It's weird to look at too. Because it's ugly old video that it shot on. Because it came out in 1999. When the show, just before the show came out. And... I think uh, it's it's just weird to see it of this quality, especially because I just finished the whole new season that only came out there. Um, but I'm also making my way through the series again now, and the series is just still killing me. I'm already on season two. It's top class. It's so fucking good. And I, mean, I know what's coming later on, too, and I'm excited for all that stuff to come in, particularly Leon's entrance, I think, in season six around then. Um, but yeah, Kirby Enthusiasm, the little documentary. Still good fun. I, I obviously I much prefer the show, but it is good. It's good to see where the actual seeds were planted. So yeah, fully recommend that. If you have the box set, well you've probably already watched wash it all, but that comes on the box set as well. Um and I fully recommend it. Uh, after that then, oh, this was on April first I actually watched this, so it's a while now since I fucking recorded it. It's actually two weeks ago. Wow. Time is going disgustingly fast, I must say. Um oh, Well nearly two weeks ago, yeah. Um so yeah, I got to finally watch the Caribbean, or oh, not Caribbean enthusiasm, I just talked about that, the Impractical Jokers movie. They released it on demand on April Fool's Day because it's a day for fools and they're fools and it's fun and whatever else. And it was a fairly disappointing movie. I won't say bitterly disappointing. Uh, the more I think about it, the less I like it. But the idea is similar to Bad Grandpa that I mentioned before where it's an actual narrative story with pranks thrown on top. And with this it's the four lads Who were in high school They've embarrassed Who's the fucking singer Some singer Famous one Can't think of her fucking name um, They embarrassed her at a school dance Or a school party or something like that And now this is 30 years later They get to perform before her Or something like that Or go to her party And it's about them on a road trip Down to her party And along the way All the pranks and shit they get up to It's very poorly structured In the sense that They're kind of playing games the whole way down. They're playing themselves, like... But there's some parts where it's just an immediate punishment... And they're stuck having to do something. There's other parts where... It's kind of just a prank on the public. It's not really anything to do with them. Uh, And then there's times where they're actually playing it like it's a game on the show. And some of that works. Some of it's really good. Some of it's kind of shite. And there's way too much time given to the overarching plot. Which is boring as fuck. I will say... And this is how stupid... Oh, this is just a censorship issue... Right, it has a PG-13 in America. It'd probably be 12s or 15s here. Sal says fuck once in it, unbleeped, But they bleep pussy twice in it. It's like, it's a fucking movie. Just don't bleep. It's like, all right, you look at Jackass on TV. I'm back to Jackass now. Jackass obviously was boundary pushing on TV. But when they said, here's a movie, you're not bound by TV rules. You can have full nudity, swearing, violence, all kinds of fucking shit happen uncensored. And they were like, deadly so they pushed a lot of boundaries they did a lot of stuff they couldn't get away with and even Dirty Sanchez is a more extreme version of that because they were already peak extremity on TV and just went even worse for the movie but with the Practical Jokers they've been kind of reserved on TV obviously they swear a lot but it's bleeped and there's like some innuendos you'd think alright it's a movie we're going to do some stunts and and pranks that we could never get away with on TV and save them for the movie but no it just feels like an extended series finale that was quite disappointing it doesn't really find its fee it's fairly weak i think most of the practice here's something that I, uh someone mentioned this and I, this really stuck out with me is that this works for the show as well the movie and the show are a lot funnier in theory than they are in practice uh, now don't get me wrong there's ties in the show where i'm double over laughing it can be fucking hilarious but there's other times where i'm like right they could have be on the earpiece talking shy and be like okay i want you to say this And I'm pissing myself laughing at the idea that he has to say this now. But when he actually does it, it's not that funny. Or even just how they might say something in the earpiece. Like, oh, say this. And it's not really said the same way. It doesn't have the same laugh. I think a lot of it, and even just some of the the punishments. They go out and go, all right, here's your punishment. And it's a brilliant idea. And then they're thrown in it. It's really embarrassing. But they kind of get through it okay. And it's not actually all that funny when you get to it. It's more just the idea of, oh, fuck, this is what he has to do. There are times where it is side-splitting all the way through and the pranks, the, the ideas and the practice are fantastic. But this movie feels like a perfect example of that where they've come up with an idea, go, this would be fucking hilarious. And then when they actually do it, it's like, it eh, wasn't really that funny. That's what the whole movie felt like to me. It's uh, it's disappointing. I do, I, I enjoyed it mostly. It's, like It's good, brainless fluff. But again, like I said, it feels like an extended, not that great season finale especially because the series that's on at the moment has actually been really fucking funny so it's it feels like a big step back but i mean if you want the absolute no-brainer fucking most relaxing bit of tv you can watch you can probably draw that on it's it's fine but uh it won't leave too much of a good impression um after that this is the movie i mentioned along with what was the fucking movie the whole nine yards and this is one called what's the worst that can happen." And it stars Danny DeVito and Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence is a con artist, and Danny DeVito is a rich business tycoon, asshole guy. And they basically find out he's going to be come bankrupt. And, well, when I say they, John Leguizamo is his kind of partner, uh, Martin Lawrence's partner in crime. And they find out that Danny DeVito is being. Uh, Or is becoming bankrupt. He's not allowed on his own property. So they're like. Savage we can break into his house. And rob all his shit. Well they get there. They find Danny DeVito is there. Danny DeVito calls the cops. Martin Lawrence gets caught. But Martin Lawrence has a lucky ring. That he's got from this girl. That he just met. And Danny DeVito. Just to be an arsehole. Goes hey he took my ring. So he gets his ring off him. And now it's a sort of back and forth. Kind of. Game of wits. To try and get the ring back. And. Like I said. If I saw this when I was about. Between. Well, up until let's say about thirteen, I probably would have fucking loved this movie. Um, it's a particular. It's a very. It's from two thousand one. It's a very particular early two thousands feel to it. Um, but when I watched it, I was just, I just fucking hated it. Every joke just pissed me off. It's the most dated shite. Like the whole joke is just Martin Lawrence awkwardly dancing every time something goes his way. That's the entire fucking movie, pretty much. of DeVito should have been w- much better in it. And I realized about forty minutes in, I was like. This is very tame and very light. And then I realised it's fucking Twelves. So it's just the lightest, most boring, shitty comedy. This is a movie that, especially with Danny Vito playing an asshole businessman, this should have been rife with R-rated fucking language and all that kind of shit. Instead, it is just an irritating, like a really grating, annoying fucking movie. And like I said, you have those two in it. You have John Leguizamo. You have Bernie Mac as well, who's fucking hilarious in a lot of movies. This should have been fucking loads of fun i could see why people would enjoy it but it just felt too corny annoying and just such obvious shitty jokes like this is a movie literally aimed for idiot children so of course i'd have fucking loved it back in the day but right now it's a lot of bollocks so what's the worst that could happen evidently that film um i also got to watch a movie that i think is unfairly treated uh it's almost just dismissed as shitty sex scenes and porn and whatever else but it is way more than that. And that is the iconic Basic Instinct. Hadn't seen it in years. So I fucking would love to watch that again. And it definitely holds up. Now there's loads I didn't remember. I watched it on TV years and, years and years and years. I was quite young watching it. I was the perfect age to watch something like that. Um, and I suppose I didn't really get to appreciate the tension. And the thrills and stuff. In it, and there's fucking loads of it. I mean it is an erotic thriller. It's a movie where. Just reading up about it as well. has kind of made it a lot more interesting. It was a movie where any kind of erotic movies or sex scenes and stuff were, they were really pulling back on them because they are not due to censorship obviously this had its troubles with censorship with both violence and sex but more so because of the AIDS epidemic and um, fucking hell people are wish they could go back to the old AIDS now instead of fucking coronavirus well that's my podcast cancelled now after that but still um, this movie had a sort of agenda to it where it's like look everyone's terrified of the whole AIDS epidemic sex scenes aren't coming to movies Let's bring them back. Let's make this movie. Push boundaries in that aspect. And. Also just push boundaries. For what kind of stuff can be seen. In a mainstream Hollywood movie. Like Bob Verhoeven. Was just fucking. Fucking with the system at that stage. Um, Obviously this has. Explicit nudity. Lots of sex scenes. It's actually a compelling. Mystery thriller as well. It's really fucking rare written. Well written. I said well written there. Well written. And it's actually. A lot more interesting to watch. Now. Because. Like I said, I saw it when I was younger. I wouldn't remember any characters' names or a lot of stuff that happened. But after watching Don't Fuck With Cats, now I want to explain why. But watching this movie again just made it way more interesting. Um, it's, it's, I think it's just a really smart, it's a nasty movie. I mean, it's Paul Verhoeven. He's, he'll always push boundaries. He's like, here, there's sex in this. Let's amp it up to 10. There's violence in it. Let's make it brutal. Like, the murder at the beginning of this movie is so fucking raw. And he was great for prosthetic heads if you look at Total Recall and Robocop he did really good work with prosthetic heads and the damage that gets done to them and this there's like an ice pick that goes through a face in this movie and because it's so quick and it's so bloody it looks so real and it's just fucking amazing um, but yeah this movie it just gets thrown under the bus as like ah oh, it's just fucking sexy is your one flashing her no there's a lot more to it than that there's great performances both for Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone they're both fucking fantastic in it I will say though there is one scene in the movie that fucking is so out of place and so stupid. um, And not the one people think. There's a scene in it where Michael Douglas goes to like some disco and this where he picks up Sharon Stone at one point and people were like, why is Michael Douglas walking around there? It's like, he was invited. <laughs> That's the part of the plot. It makes sense that he's there. He might look odd that he's older than everyone but there's a reason he's there. The thing that annoys me is there's a moment about half an hour into the movie that feels like it should have been in the last half hour and... It's when he first kind of finds out about Charlestown. He's like I'm going to tail her for a bit. And see what I can kind of find out about this girl. He's pretty much engaged in a serious high speed highway chase with her. Where he's swerving in and out of cars. Just from doing a very basic tail. And it's never brought up again. It's never like hey you tried to fucking run me off the road or any of this shit. It's just. It's like they threw this chasing in to try and make it more exciting. When it actually doesn't narratively fit the fucking movie. That should have been intense. Slow. The potential to be caught. All that kind of stuff. Instead it's just an over the top racing scene nearly. It's just very fucking odd. How the, the direction they went with that. But other than that. Really fucking solid. Highly recommend it. Um, maybe not one to watch with the family. But a really solid well made erotic thriller. And they, they don't do them anymore. And I talked about sex scenes on The Lazy Dad's Guide to Movies. Because we are just talking about. How there's very few that actually have a point anymore. And they just... They're actually They don't really I don't really like them in movies I think they're kind of just stupid Um, Someone made a great point About Basic Instinct 2 Which I haven't seen I'm not going to bother my whole Watching it But it was about how People aren't interested In sex scenes in movies anymore Because The whole thing was It was like Oh this actor or actress That I'm fucking mad for The nude scenes And this is stuff That's so hard to see Otherwise you have to go to like Porn shops or whatever else but with porn being so easily Accessible on the internet people are kind of like well we don't really need sex scenes in movies anymore what's what's the point of them and it, i can see that point and that's what people thought about basic Instinct too they were just like this is kind of embarrassing you're trying to make an erotic thriller in this day and age where they don't really need to be made so it's a fair point i think this is one of the maybe not one of the last but one of the most iconic ones of the 90s and it's very solid i think i mean if that's all you're watching it for You'll get a really solid movie around that, and if you're just watching it as a thriller, you'll get lots of great sex scenes. So it's a win-win situation. And Paul Verhoeven needs more attention in general. I know people like him already, but I think he's fucking brilliant. So basic instinct from 1992, thumbs up for me. Um, another rewatch is one that I thought when I first watched it that it was grand I did there was something off about it I remember enjoying the first hour and thinking I kind of didn't really feel it in the second like half hour of it and I thought you know what I'm going to give it another fucking try because it's just been on my mind lately and that's a movie called In a Valley of Violence and it's a western with I didn't really explain the plot of basic him there did I no I didn't right I'm going to very briefly explain that so the idea is Michael Douglas is a, a cop who's being investigated by the internal affairs and a person shows up dead and sharon stone is a potential suspect in it because the murder is exactly the same as something that happens in one of her novels so eroticism ensues there that's the fucking plot um so in a valley of violence ethan Hawke. it's i mean this is essentially kind of like a western john wick which gives it more credit don't 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 look at that as the correct description because it's not very john wicky but it's more just the idea of it um but Ethan Hawke, is just a wandering cowboy who left the military and is just kind of on his own way. Goes into a small town, gets into an altercation with some thugs of the town. And they decide to do something horrible to him and he wants to go get revenge. But that puts him head to head with the town sheriff played by John Travolta, who's actually great in this movie. And it's uh, an interesting kind of revenge movie that sort of got... See, this is the problem, right? I... Having rewatched it, there was more stuff I loved about it this time. First of all, shot on film looks fantastic. The opening credits are done in a proper Man With No Name trilogy style, more so like a fistful of dollars more than the others. Although you have to try and remember them all now, I haven't watched those movies in a while, but of those of those trilogy, that kind of opening credits. Really well fucking done. Um But the movie is it's a strange one because it goes in a, an odd direction I think it's really s- like strong tense well written excellently fucking filmed movie up until about an hour and when the revenge kicks in is like the first kill is like great but after that it's kind of like it tries to inject comedy and it doesn't feel earned now I mentioned I was talking to someone about this the other day Cold in July is a movie that for the first hour of that movie or 40 minutes or so it's a really tense thriller and then it kind of flips around and becomes an almost crime dark comedy. And it works brilliantly. It, it works in the same way that From Dust Till Dawn, it's a total change in tone and atmosphere and everything else. It worked in those movies because it felt earned, even though it's a surprise. With this movie, it felt like they had one simple direction they were going in. And then, very last minute, they were like, oh, by the way, it's actually kind of a comedy now. And the villains in this are really stupid. The dialogue is really modern and daft. And it's just. It really hurt the movie for me. Um, I definitely enjoyed it more on a rewatch for the other stuff, but it now nah, still it still just doesn't really do it for me. I wish it did because there's a lot to like about it. Ty West directed it, and uh, but it just no nah, doesn't really do it for me. I think it is worth a look, but I don't know. I think if they had a sort of vein of comedy going throughout it in a kind of Coen Brothers esque way, then maybe it could work. But I don't think so. I think it's just true comedy in last minute and. Uh, it doesn't work So In A Valley of Violence Worth a look But nothing special Um, Jeez Flying through these Nearly at the end now Um, I got to watch a Blu-ray 4K remaster Of The Bridge on the River Kwai Now this is one That I'd never seen all of I'd seen bits and pieces On TV when I was younger But I never really sat down I'd say in total I saw five minutes of this movie But now I got to watch The full thing On a 4K transfer It looks Fucking incredible Like it literally looks Like it was shot yesterday I couldn't believe my eyes For how well it looked um, Obviously huge Oscar winning Epic I wanted to actually do A little segment on epics But I'm actually going to say that For another episode Because I still have a few I want to get through I've got the likes of Guns of Navarone Lawrence of Arabia I've gone with the wind Of all these movies on Blu-ray That I want to watch properly And then do a, a Nearly an episode Probably dedicated to just Epics And how they're not really Made anymore Um, Probably the last real epic To come out now Is, is The Irishman So Fair play to Scorsese Or should I say I heard you made houses um but in general this movie is just fucking immaculately well made and it's about the mostly british prisoners of war in i think it's river kwai in japan i know it's japan occupied area i think it could be japan actually yeah. um but they're basically forced to build a big bridge a big bridge for a train to come by so a train track essentially and it's about them rebelling against the commander who's in there because he's not going by the geneva code and they're basically very it's so british and by the book and all this stuff and it's a really interesting idea of is there such thing as being too by the book because the effect it's having on your men by not complying with what's going on here is actually worse for you and all these different things that are going on throughout it it's pushing three hours it's two hours 40 minutes it's just perfect ow lad movie that's actually another thing the idea of epics and O-Lad movies. I'm going to do a full episode dedicated to o movies and epics. That's going to be a, a future episode down the line when I re-watch or catch up on ones I've never seen. And just make a full O-Lad episode. Because it's a very specific kind of O-Lad movie. And I made this point just talking to some friends recently. This is the kind of movie you would watch at 1pm on a Sunday. Whereas the other kind of O-Lad movies are like Sorcerer or something like that. That's a very 7pm movie. Sounds like I'm talking shite, but if you think about it, it's a pure movie you watch with your this is they, they are the time zones for Owlad movie watching. Perfect stuff. And actually, there's, a, there's another time zone. This is probably about 10am, and this would probably be a film noir movie. I'll explain the, the, the logistics of Owlad movies another day. But Bridge on the River Kwai is just an example of just how movies nowadays are kind of in general just not as well made as before like now it sounds unfair to say that but you just look at movies and think like the, the fucking production design that gone in, that's gone into these movies is absolutely staggering there's like this is shot in panavision as well i think it was shot in 35 but blown up to 70 but it just looks the scope of this fucking movie like there's so much in the frame there's so much detail there's so much going on the cinematography is perfect the score is amazing the acting is brilliant it's so deliberately paced and these things would all just feel so rushed and forced nowadays. It's just so satisfying to go back and watch these. And this is 1957 as well. And the colour is... Just, everything about it is just incredible. I really wish... Now it sounds unfair to say it. Because there's so many fucking good movies out these days. A big, huge scale. Top directors doing this stuff. But I don't know. I just There's something about older movies. And I'm just looking at them going like... The quality. The standard of older movies. Is just so much fucking stronger um and this is this is no different this is a fucking phenomenal movie that i'd fully recommend if you can see the blu-ray as well it is just immaculate how they fucking put it together i don't even know how you could remaster it further to be honest i'd fully recommend getting onto that and watching it because it's just amazing but you have to watch it on the da- the owlad hours that's the that's the rules um so yeah bridge on the river Kwai, fucking superb movie um I also got to watch another Blu ray that I've had sitting here for a while now, um, which came out, was it last year? I think it was. There, there was a Eureka started doing, which, by the way, I really want to talk about Eureka at some stage as well, because fucking hell, like, the idea of Masters of Cinema doesn't really mean fucking much to them. I mean, look, the Stigmata is released by Eureka Masters of Cinema. I mean, get your fucking head out your ass. Stigmata is a pile of shite. Um, but it's weird, like, I mean, I love, I absolutely love Fright Night from 1985. But does it belong. In the Masters of Cinema category. Like that's something that Arrow should have released. There's a. Sort of cultishness to that movie. That doesn't really work. And. With this movie as well. Even though I really enjoyed it. Is a movie from George A. Romero. Called Monkey Shines. That's a movie that really should have actually been. Released. Maybe by Arrow or someone like that. Now it's a lovely box set. Lovely release. Loads of extras. It comes with an alternate ending. Deleted scenes and all. The alternate ending by the way. is the corniest fucking shit ever. Um but it, like it's it just feels like a weird label to release it. But the movie in general, I thought was terrific. It follows, Donald fucking actors. Ugh, I'm gonna get his name because he's actually really good and it's worth mentioning. Um, this actor is called Jason. Beige, beige. I don't know how you pronounce his name, but I'm gonna say beige because that sounds right to me. Um, but Jason beige, he's fucking brilliant in it, and he's plays. A guy studying... He's studying to be a lawyer. He's in college anyway. But he's out for a jog when he is struck by a truck. And he is paralyzed from the neck down completely. And he's kind of just... Hating life as it is. And he has a friend who works in a lab. Who has been doing tests on monkeys. And he decides... I'm going to get this guy... One of my test monkeys. And train it to be a helper monkey. So he can... Basically help around the house. But... The test he's running on the monkey are starting to have very strange, possibly supernatural effects on both him and his friend who is paralyzed. That's about as much as I want to say about it because I think this is a very fucking solid psychological thriller. There's some fucking toe curlingly tense moments in this movie. A lot of it's kind of stuff that I'm looking at like, how the fuck did they film it? Like, there's a bird standing on a guy's face, looking like he's going to peck him in the face, and I'm thinking, how the fuck have they trained this bird not to pull his eyes out? and stuff involving syringes and just really tense really interesting ideas especially when they bring the supernatural elements into it because it kind of reminded me of altered states in a, in a way with that but this i was sure was a stephen king story it doesn't seem to be, but this is exactly the kind of thing stephen king would write and i just think it's fucking top class um but an interesting one for george A. too. too i could see why he was unhappy with it because it did look like they cook not cook corners but they didn't allow him to go full George Romero, let's say. Um, but also, they, Eureka released The Dark Half as well, which is another George Romero movie, and that's actually based on a Stephen King story, which I thought it was another fucking great movie. But it's interesting they chose those two movies to release on that label, but I don't know, it's probably all rights-related stuff, I think. Maybe it's MGM, I don't know. Um, but yeah, really fucking solid, really enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's different, though. I think... I think people might expect a more full-on horror. This is a more psychological thriller with elements of horror on it. But I think it works really fucking well. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the blu rays fucking lovely too. You can get it cheap enough. So well worth keeping your eyes on that. So Monkey Shines. Um, moving on to the last two now. One of them I want to... I suppose... It's, it's an odd one to talk about because... I saw this once when I was maybe... Seven... Heat around that time i had the dvd as well which i never re-watched um but this is a movie that i fucking did not like it didn't work for me at all and i just remember being pissed off by it and i spent my whole life hating this movie until recently where i said you know what, i want to give it another go and that is the fifth element from luke Besson. and oh, i don't even know where to start with describing the fucking plot of this movie because there's a shitload going on but it is a sci-fi movie set 300 years from now roughly and it involves Bruce Willis, as a taxi driver, who... Oh, God, actually, I don't even know where to start, because there's a lot leading up to that. Um, Gary Oldman's a bad guy, and he didn't like the film. And Mila Jozevich is... the good girl? I don't fucking know. This, 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 there's a lot going on here. My brain has actually melted from how quickly I've actually rushed through all these movies. Um, but it's... Right, it's kind of a it's, a, it's a, a war is coming to earth that was prophesized over years and years and there's these mystical stones that can prevent this from happening with the help of the fifth element which is embodied in Mila Jojovic. And she ends up in Bruce Willis's taxi and now he must try find the stones and use her to fight against this evil. All the while Gary Oldman, who's like an art dealer who looks like a fucking sap, is trying to get the stones for his own personal gain for some reason. That's the best way I can put this, because there's so much fucking going on. Um on a rewatch, I actually quite enjoyed it. It still annoys me in a lot of ways. Uh it kinda feels like that bit in Zoolander when Mugatu is trying to train zoolander to kill the was a malaysian prime minister and it's just a million fucking things going on and it in that same mad fashion world it's it's like looking at that in the future for two hours with some action scenes and surprising visit from mila tits i don't remember seeing that when i was younger and this movie was pg when it came out over here and i'm like how did they get away with that several times throughout the movie like that's, I mean I know it's PG-13 in America but it's just especially with a country like America that's so hell-bent on stamping down on any kind of nudity I'm amazed they got away with that to be honest and even, it's not even used in a sexual context but it's like most movies I'd say if that was re-released now they'd probably make it 15th fuck knows I don't know if it actually has a modern Blu-ray it's worth looking into Um, but no, I think I love the sci-fi world that it's in even though it's a bit too goofy and French for my liking because uh, this movie is very French obviously it's Louis but it kind of feels like it's trying to be like other French movies in a way like Jean Jean-Pierre Genet or Genoux maybe I'm saying his name wrong um, it felt like an invitation to his kind of stuff but not quite as good because I think his stuff's fucking great um, but there are problems with it I think the comedy is really misused misplaced Chris Tucker is unbearable Um Gary Oldman's fairly fucking shite in it too. He doesn't even like the role, as I said. He only did it as a favour to Luc Besson because they're mates, and because Luc Besson helped fund *Nil by Mouth, which is an amazing, ultra fucking bleak movie. Um, but no, I did, I did enjoy it a second time around. There's a lot to admire about this movie. I don't love it. I don't understand how it's so well received. Uh, I think it's fine. There's great, amazing set design in it. Some really good effects, some fairly naff ones. But this is just an example of like, actually using big sets and having practical effects will always look better than cgi i feel like i'm actually there i feel like i'm looking at these things it's so much more impressive to watch you spending millions of dollars and hours working on an amazing cgi building or uh, area that they're in yeah it can look real and whatever else but it doesn't feel real it never does and it never i never take it in Whereas if I'm seeing something that's actually there, I'm looking at every detail. Going, wow, the set design here is fucking amazing, and it could be for just one single shot, and it looks superb. So, loads to admire about this, but I don't love the movie. I think it's very entertaining, um, but very is probably a stronger. No, it's quite entertaining. I do enjoy it, but it's I, I suppose I kind of went in not pre-hating it, but kind of thinking to myself like, I really hope I enjoy this, and I was kind of more aware of the flaws i don't know if that's the right way to, to look at it but um no it's not perfect but it's enjoyable i'd probably watch it again at some stage and might have a kind of different feel to it but it's it's really not a movie for someone who's only about seven <laughs> to be honest because i just didn't understand any of it and I, do, I never would in a million years have understood it at that age there's a lot of corny stuff in it too it's very 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 of the time, um. But it is worth a look, especially remastered. The remaster looks fantastic. So I, I mean, it's like Lord of the Rings. I am planning on watching Lord of the Rings again, but I can I can have full respect for how well made they are and how well they look. But the movies never grab me. They might appear different now, so I will be watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy soon, and I might actually do an episode on them or include them in an episode anyway. Um, but yeah, Fifth Element, it's fine. And finally, this movie, I, it's like a movie I dreamed of. And have always wanted. At least for half an hour. Uh, And that is. Mortal Kombat Legacy. Or sorry. Mortal Kombat Legends. Scorpion's Revenge. Now this movie. For the first half an hour. Is the movie I've invented in my head. For years of my life. An ultra. And I mean. Ultra. Ultra fucking violent. Mortal Kombat. Adventure movie. And this one. Sort of follows scorpion as the lead character where he's just a samurai or not samurai or he's one of them something like that back in the day and himself and his family are killed and he basically wakes up in the outworld version of hell where Quan chi says here look i could bring you back as a demon to fight in the mortal Kombat tournament and get your revenge on sub-zero who killed your family but if you do that you have to collect this for me so i can release shinnok who's another character so here's the thing I'm kind of saying all these characters because I know them this is this is total comfort viewing for me because I've known Mortal Kombat literally my entire life all the characters what they do what they represent everything all their fight styles all this shit I just grew up with everything to do with Mortal Kombat and I always loved it and particularly the Mortal Kombat 9 which is the best Mortal Kombat game they've actually made bar 2 and 4 or along with 2 and 4 actually now I think about it 4 is actually more nostalgia so this this and 2 are the best this is probably the best one Um so I know everything to do with Mortal Kombat inside and out. So to get to to see this and know all the characters. It just means I'm kind of like. Oh yeah there's them. There's Motaro. He's popping up in the background there. I know all these actors. Or not actors. Characters. So. He basically gets sent there to fight in the tournament. But once it actually gets to that point in it. A lot of it is just. Kind of like a poor remake of the 1995 Paul WS Anderson Mortal Kombat movie which I love but it just feels like they, they took a lot of the stuff that happened almost scene for scene in that movie and put it into this and I'm kind of disappointed with that once it gets to the actual fight scenes as well between the characters that you know about like it's Johnny Cage versus Baraka they fight for maybe two seconds and it's kind of over I'm like they really rushed that Liu Kang fights Katana it's kind of rushed and over Sonya fights Reptile, that was probably the best fight, and it's kind of over. You have all these characters that you know so much about, and you're expecting a lot more. Like, this felt like something that could have actually been a series or like a three hour movie where they really get into it and have a lot of time dedicated to these fight scenes. But it just seems like they chewed them together and had them, everything felt really rushed. For that first half an hour, 40 minutes, it is brilliant, as everything I've always wanted from Mortal Kombat. I was like, this is so so violent it even has the x-ray special effect that you see in the the games that they brought out now for when you're like snapping an arm there's like an x-ray of it snapping like in uh what was it called the street fighter that movie from the 70s with sonny g that kind of invented that idea and it was done really fucking well but this it uh i don't know it didn't it didn't live up to what it should have been there's a lot of great stuff in it it's as i said there's a lot of familiar characters and stuff like that so it's really enjoyable to watch but I kind of spent a lot of it going oh they could have done that a bit better that fight should have been better and I've seen all this before so I don't know I I enjoyed it definitely I think the first half hour as I said is brilliant and then after that it's kind of just good so if you want something that's solid ultra gory animation then thumbs up for me what I will say though is that this should have had like the, the animation studio behind this and the the kind of mind behind this definitely should make a fucking a doom animated movie that would be fucking amazing because there's a whole point in this movie in the outworld kind of hell vision uh, that is basically like Doom so I know they could pull it off and do a good job of it Um, so yeah Mortal Kombat Legends is that what it is? yeah Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge I definitely recommend it if you're a Mortal Kombat fan I'd say you're really going to enjoy it because I did enjoy it Um, I just felt I I guess I'm a bit let down because I know where they could have gone with it where the, the actual narrative quality Was weak. But the animation. And the violence. And everything else. Was top class. So. It's a. It's a bit middling. In that sense. But I think if you're. I mean if you've never watched Mortal Kombat. This would probably be one of the most thrilling fucking things ever. Like it's. It's really well done. It's really great fun. And. uh, Yeah. I think. uh, It's a good companion piece. To the the later. Entries of the Mortal Kombat. Era. Let's say. Uh, Plus. Jennifer Carpenter plays Sonya Blade. And Joe McHale plays. uh, Johnny Cage. Is a perfect choice. For that kind of asshole. Um, and the guy, I don't remember his name, but it's the guy who actually does the voice of Goro in the 1995 movie. He does the voice of Goro in this too, so that was a cool little uh, sort of bonus bit of trivia. But yeah, I actually think plot-wise, if they could even make it, well, you probably don't even need to. The plot of the Mortal Kombat 9 game is actually the best Mortal Kombat plot I've ever seen. It perfectly wraps around all the characters, gets them all involved, and actually explains why they're on Earth and why they're in Outworld and all this kind of stuff. It's just fantastically done. So I'd actually recommend fucking playing that game all the way through on story mode or there could be a YouTube compilation of it but you kind of need the fights to make it work. Um, So if someone could just edit that really well then maybe in for a treat there. But Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge very solid as a Mortal Kombat fan but uh, did need a bit of work. Uh, I'm more just interested to see where they fucking go from here because fucking hell that is just like that is the perfect R-rated Mortal Kombat I've always wanted and also the movie that's coming out next year I think it's next year I cannot fucking wait for it. hopefully that's still being made because Jesus like with the people they have involved in it it's going to be fucking serious Um, but yeah I actually I just just caught a look at my notes there Uh, I don't like taking notes it just makes me feel like an arsehole but when I was talking about the fifth element there's actually sound effects in that movie that are from Terminator 2 and parts of the score that are from Terminator 2 and Leon I recognise them anywhere um and machine gun sound effects that are from terminator 2 loads of stuff like that that i'm like i'm just attuned to those things i'm seeing that those movies so many times um and of course leon he worked on or directed so it makes perfect sense but i just i had that here as something to mention um but yeah mortal kombat solid make a doom movie please make a fucking samurai movie as well one of those an animated samurai movie basically this is the kind of animation i want to see it felt like it was back in the good 90s manga style fucking stuff i'd love to see loads of full plots made with that kind of animation just could be a gritty crime movie could be a samurai movie as i said or something like doom taking properties that we already know and making something deadly even a hitman fucking movie like that would be savage so if they could do something like that it'd be great but i'm uh i'm rambling here I managed to fly through all those in a a lot quicker time than I expected, although I still have spent fucking ages doing so. Um But yeah, thanks for sticking with me for this long. It's been two hours. Fucking hell. Uh it's double the amount of time I actually expected to do. But that's the way it is. Um Thanks for listening. I have a lot more to do here. Th- this has been chopped down so many times. I'd say the actual recording time here is near two and a half hours, so the amount of times I've had to pause it to cough. So I hope you enjoyed it so far uh or all the way to the end right now until next time you're all cunts oh no i said i was actually gonna give a shout out to another podcast so give me a second because this podcast only launched today or launches tomorrow i need to make absolutely sure um because i now need to find his fucking instagram because <laughs> a friend of mine who is a fellow film fan we were both in college together doing movies is now a top class comedian who you will have definitely seen on the likes of Facebook, YouTube, and wherever else. Actually, everywhere. Because he's getting shared around by top quality people. He's an impressionist named Al Foran. And he has a new podcast. I just need to get the name of it. Um, the Impressionable Hour with Al Foran. Now, I think it's going to be on Facebook and YouTube. I don't know if he's going to go for the likes of Spotify or anything like that yet. But do keep an eye out for it. Do keep an eye out for him. His stuff's fucking hilarious. He does... Some of the most convincing impressions I've ever heard. So if you want to see those, then check it out. So The Impressionable Hour with Al Foren. Listen to that. You're all cunts. Goodbye.